0: I did not write and take no credit for this story. Please visit the link in the comments to further support this author. This podcast is part of the Erotica Podcast Network. Support us on Patreon to make requests for subjects you would love to hear. Thank you to those who have already reached out.
1: Sex is mandatory on planet Z253 by RegularGuy13 Hurry up, Betsy! Hunter called out to his former classmate. The tall, lean, young man with dark hair and dark eyes walked toward the young woman. He moved with an easy, rolling gait. The pair of nineteen-year-olds were on a flower-gathering expedition. They had first met when they were sixteen and their families were selected for this colonization mission. After their long journey through space, they were brought out of hibernation and they had attended the same school on Planet Z-253 for two years. Technically, they were not nineteen— but time stands still when one is in suspended animation hurtling through space faster than the speed of light. The colonists didn't feel that a significant amount of time had passed. They viewed the trip as if it was no more than an airplane flight from America to Europe. They looked and felt the same age as when their long journey began so they didn't count the passage of time. It was a beautiful, warm, summer's morning. Hunter's eyes took in the reddish sky, the lush landscape, and the water cascading off a cliff. It formed a picturesque waterfall that fed the river beside them. The young people stood in the middle of a field of flowers. Betsy was gathering flowers for her mother's birthday. Hunter was going to give his bouquet to his mother, but that wasn't why he was here. He'd agreed to join Betsy on this excursion because he'd had a crush on her for years. It was his bad luck that the girl with the bouncy ponytail had never seen him as more than a pal. The young woman was as pretty as any of the blossoms surrounding her. She was more colorful than many in her bright red. Body hugging, polyester slash spandex jumpsuit. It had a scoop neckline with a cute crisscross design that embellished a bust that needed no garnishing. Her breasts were so spectacular that even other women noticed them. The top had an open back. Cami straps crisscrossed her bare back, repeating the design from the front. They kept the top on. Betsy stopped gathering flowers and said, I can't decide which ones to pick. They're all so beautiful and so different than the flowers we had on Earth. Yeah, I get it. Planet Z-253 is wonderful. It is special. Hunter said sarcastically that he was wearing a cobalt blue, open collar, short sleeve shirt, and khaki shorts. He repeated the spiel the authorities had told everyone selected for this settlement mission. He spoke, in a high-pitched voice imitating their designated leader, Governor Monroe. Z-253 is an Earth-like planet in Sector Z of the Milky Way. It is in the 92nd percentile of worlds determined to be capable of supporting human life. It's temperate and has diverse flora and fauna. Planet Z-253 is wonderful. It is special. It is, the blue-eyed girl said. She grabbed three more flowers from the hundreds that grew in the area next to the waterfall's basin. She added, We had to go somewhere. Our earth was dying. At least this place is pretty. Some people were sent to hot, treeless worlds where we could be living under the sea on K-498. You're right, he said. I don't think you can carry any more flowers. Let's head back to the colony. Our plan was to be back by the time they make the morning announcements. The brown-haired teenager turned to her friend and teased him saying in a sing-song voice, You're hoping they will announce that Alice is ovulating and you'll be selected as one of the men to try and impregnate her. His face turned red. He said, I've told you, I don't and never did have a thing for her. Our mothers made us go as a couple because we didn't have dates to the senior prom. What he added in his mind was, I wanted to go with you, but you had a boyfriend. You two looked like you were having fun. You danced up a storm, Betsy said. She is a great dancer and is lots of fun, but there never was a connection. Betsy stopped looking at the flowers and looked at him. She said, I don't know why you didn't have a date or didn't date more in high school. You're nice and good looking. I know you're quiet and shy. If you'd asked, many girls would have gone on dates with you he was still too shy to express his feelings. He wished he was brave enough to say, I only wanted to date one girl and you were unavailable. I waited and hoped that you'd notice me, but that didn't happen. Instead, he responded to her earlier words about Alice ovulating and the mandatory sex program. I do my duty at the procreation clinic when required, he said defensively. It's our job to colonize this land and to populate it. Is it my fault that the high levels of pollution and radiation on Earth have decreased the sperm production of every adult male? It was our leader, Governor Monroe, after conferring with the doctors, who determined that the best course of action to maximize births was whenever a woman is capable of getting pregnant that she copulate with multiple partners. Two weeks after landing on planet Z253, the governor met with the chief doctor. Governor Monroe sat at his desk in his office and asked in his high pitched voice. Dr. Monson, please present your report on the health of the community. Dr. Franklin Monson was seated across from him. He had many folders with data and reports on his lap. He took off his glasses and said, My staff and I have examined everyone. Overall, we are in good condition considering the length of time we spent in hibernation traveling through space. This planet is similar to Earth. The air here contains the same five major components found in the Earth atmosphere. Nitrogen. Oxygen. Water vapor, argon, and carbon dioxide. They are in roughly the same percentages. Water is clean and plentiful. The planet has an array of fauna and flora to nourish us. We will live comfortable here. The governor asked. We have everything we need to survive. Will we thrive? If you mean will we live and flourish, the answer is yes. What about propagate? Multiple? Governor, that is another issue. We have the same problems we faced on Earth. Our men have low sperm counts and our women have irregular periods and inconsistent ovulation. On Earth, we were able to overcome these problems with in vitro fertilization clinics. The doctor paused and then said, As you know, during our journey, a stray meteorite struck the ship and destroyed our IVF equipment. Yes. It damn near killed all of us, Monroe said in his squeaky voice. Yes. Dr. Monson concurred. We lost vital equipment for our IVF program the ultrasonic reproductive imaging machines, the special centrifuges to process sperm, and the incubators that nourish fertilized eggs and help them grow into viable embryos. These machines were critical for us to establish an IVF program. Can you? Can we make replacements? No. The devices are too complicated. We don't have the raw materials, personnel, or the manufacturing capabilities to make them. What can we do? Honestly, nothing. That is unacceptable. The governor shouted. He rose from his chair. This colony must succeed. We must expand our numbers. The people will lose heart if we don't have a solution. Surely, there is something. Well, the scientific basis for this suggestion is dubious, but if you want to give people hope and make it look like we have an answer, out with it, man. The governor said impatiently. We could set up a procreation protocol, a mandatory program in which every ovulating woman must have sex. This way no opportunity to increase our numbers will be missed. And to compensate for our men's low sperm count, we will have multiple men have sex with each ovulating woman. I'm not sure the women will go along with that, the governor said. The husbands might object to their wives being forced to have sex with other men. How many men are we talking about? Let me give you some background information. Sperm can survive for five days in a woman's reproductive tract. The goal is to have the sperm enter her fallopian tube and meet the egg 12 to 24 hours after it is released by the ovary. The prime time for sex is the day before and the day the egg is released. The doctor looked at Monroe. Monroe asked, How the hell can you tell when something is about to happen? We can easily do so. All of us have had various sensors implanted into our bodies. They feed data to our wristbands which share the information with our medical computers. We monitor blood, hormones, the efficiency of your heart. Everything. We know everything. Okay. So you know when a female is fertile and when she is about to become fertile. What can you do about the low sperm count of the men? Addition. What? The average man here has a sperm count that is a third of what it should be. Dr. Monson explained. He smiled and said. I can't increase your sperm count, but I can add to it. One third plus one third plus one third equals one. Oh, the governor said as a light bulb came on in his head. So since one man isn't up to the task, you recommend the fertile women have sex with three men to compensate. Six, actually. She should have sex with three men the day before and three men the day her egg drops. That's a lot of fucking, Monroe said concerned. This doesn't have to be a glass half-empty situation. You're a brilliant communicator. You can sell this. Tell the people it's everyone's number one duty to make the colony successful and that you have a plan to increase our numbers. A man might, at first, object to his wife being fucked by five men until he realizes that this plan allows. No. Requires that he have sex with his neighbor's hot wife and her young, fit, sexy daughter. Yes. I'm getting a boner just thinking about it. The gov said with a laugh. The doctor laughed too and then said, You are naturally concerned about the women so you will give them the right to pick their first partner." And put limitations on what behavior is allowed. For example, kissing is not mandatory. Anal sex and BDMS are not allowed. And of course, incest is forbidden. Of course, Monroe interjected. Nudity is required by both parties. In addition to seeing the women, the men can also touch and fondle them. If the guy needs some assistance to perform, the women must give him a hand job or blowjob. Yes, that's reasonable. We may need to persuade the shy the obstinate, or those not civic-minded enough to participate. The same sensors already in our bodies that monitor everything can be used to punish those who don't go along with the program. Electric shocks can be administrated in increasing levels of intensity to persuade the reluctant citizens to get with the program. I see. Do you think that will be necessary? No or rarely. I suggest when we roll out this plan of action we show those who will participate in the program videos of men and women being shocked. The ability to punish people was built into the sensor system. It was tested on Earth, and I have some videos. They are convincing, the doctor said. He chuckled and added, I'd say after viewing the videos and hearing the people scream everyone will get on board and do their civic duty. Those tapes sound dreadful. Yes, but those in charge have always had to make tough choices. Generals lose men in battle. Leaders like you cannot shirk their responsibilities. That's true. Governor, there is another task. Someone needs to choose the fertile female's partners. I can make suggestions. We should breed the strong with the strong and the smart with the smart to ensure those characteristics are passed on to the next generation. I think you should decide who has sex with whom. You'd be the best judge to decide which females you should mate with to pass on your leadership skills. I'd suggest that you should have sex with the fittest and most attractive women since they are the best candidates for getting pregnant.
0: Oh, I
1: see. Yes, the governor smiled. And of course, I will have to take special care in selecting your partners. The next generation needs your intellect. The dirty, old men shared a conspiratorial laugh. Back to the present. Betsy pulled her flowers to her chest and secured them with her left arm. She said, It was a shame that the in vitro fertilization equipment we had on the spaceship was destroyed during our flight. Better the machines than us. We were hibernating in the next compartment. If that meteorite fragment had struck the ship a few inches to the left, we'd all be dead. Come on now, let's hurry back. We might be required to participate. Governor Monroe says that populating this place is job number one. Her face turned red. She spoke quickly and with passion. I haven't been shirking my responsibilities. Just because I haven't taken part in the sexual carousal yet doesn't mean I'm a bad citizen. He was taken aback by the strong emotion in her response. A look of confusion swept over his face. You've never been called? It's not just men who have been affected. The reproductive capabilities of women have been diminished too. I have never ovulated. He recognized she was upset and said, I'm sorry if it sounded like I was putting you down. It's not your fault. We all have been affected by the conditions of our home world. I have a low sperm count and your body hasn't yet produced an egg ready for fertilization. You aren't the only female this has happened to count your blessings. You're tall, pretty, smart, and healthy. Your inside female parts will catch up with your outside female parts. His eyes strayed from her face to her ample chest as he finished that sentence. She noticed he was looking at her big boobs. She said, Maybe not. They're a moving target. And then she giggled. Hunter gave her a questioning look. She added, I have no idea what's happening with my ovaries, but my boobs are bigger than my mom's and still growing. He nodded and said, I don't know why I'm nodding. I'm no expert on yours or your mother's breasts. You appear to me to be a full-grown woman and when your wristband says you're ovulating, you'll be invited to take part in a propagation party. She raised her right arm and flashed the electronic wristband she wore. Yes. I have on my bracelet and it's connected to the sensors implanted in my body. We all must wear our computerized manacles so we can be monitored 24-7. God forbid we have a bowel movement or burp and it goes unrecorded. Yeah, he agreed. Big Brother keeps a sharp eye on us. He turned away and said, Let's head back. She smiled and said, I'm ready to go. Thanks for coming out with me. I know it was no fun getting up before dawn and hiking into the countryside. My folks would have freaked if I left the compound without an escort. Not to mention, he said, The lock on the gate wouldn't have opened if I or another soldier wasn't with you. Yes. It was my good luck to bump into you last night at the store. I've been looking for something nice to get my mom for her birthday, and your suggestion of these flowers was brilliant. As I said, I gave my mother a bunch for her birthday, and she seemed to appreciate them. I know my mom will love these exotic flowers. I'm sorry they only grow at the foot of this waterfall so far from the base. He smiled at her and said, It was a hike, but worth it. The two of them headed home clutching their flowers. Hunter led the way. They jumped from rock to rock to cross the river that drained the waterfall's basin. Large boulders had allowed them to cross the river without getting their feet wet to get to the field of blossoms. They returned leaping from stone to stone dot on the way back. Betsy had an accident. She jumped onto a large rock and landed on a camouflaged lizard. She crushed it, her left foot slipped on its slimy guts, and she fell into the water. She screamed. "Oh, what's the matter? Hunter asked. He turned around and saw the young woman floating downstream. Immediately, he dropped his flowers, jumped into the water, and swam to her. She flailed about and grasped at any object that would prevent her from being swept away. She managed to grab hold of something substantial that had fallen and gotten caught between two rocks. It was this planet's version of a tree. Hunter caught up with her. He executed a cross-chest carry. He secured her with his right arm by putting it over her chest and grabbing her left tit. He kicked, did a side stroke with his left arm, and brought them out of the current to a small island. He dragged the dazed and confused woman on it. Betsy, are you okay? No, she said. She gasped for air and mumbled. I lost my flowers. Her voice was weak. She sounded out of it. Never mind the stupid flowers. Are you hurt? He scanned her body and noted cuts and scrapes on her face and arms. She also had a bump on her head. The rest of her body looked okay. His eyes focused on her exposed left boob. It wasn't the breast of your average teenager. It was big and full. The nipple was large, reddish-brown and had a thick, erect tip dot, he said. Ah, uh, it looks like your top got ripped. She glanced down, became aware of her nakedness, and shrieked, My boo! She covered it with one hand and grabbed the fabric of her top with the other. She pulled it over her breast. It didn't help. The fabric was torn. Some strategically placed straps were broken. The material would no longer stay in place. She sat up and the material fell away exposing her breast. That's not going to work, she said. I guess my only choice is to grin and bear it. Her words surprised Hunter. He guffawed. She laughed too. When the laughter died down, he said, it is a mighty fine boob. Full and round. Thanks, I guess. I never imagined I'd show it to you. He gave it another look and then forced himself to look her in the eye. He asked, Are you hurt? I see a bump on your head, some cuts and scrapes. Anything else? I think I twisted my ankle. My left one is throbbing? He went to her foot, looked at it, and touched it. I feel puffiness. Can you wiggle your toes? She did. Not that he could tell. She said, Yes. I don't think I broke it. I've sprained my ankle dancing and it felt like this. I think I twisted it when I land on the lizard. Okay. A sprain is better than a broken bone. Can you put weight on it and walk? I don't know. She stood and tentatively put weight on it. Ouch. No. She sat down quickly. Their wristbands beep and glowed orange. Hunter said. There go our morning alarms. Everyone is getting up. You should call your mom. Let her know what's happened and get her advice about your ankle. Okay. She tapped her communicator button behind her jaw and spoke. Mom, this is Betsy. A few seconds later, her mother, June, responded. Yes, dear. She was in her kitchen pouring herself a cup of coffee. Hunter and I went out on a pre-dawn hike. I fell and twisted my ankle. I'm pretty sure I didn't break anything, but I can't walk on it. Oh my. June shifted into nurse mode. She was one of the medical personnel who looked after everyone. She said, You should rest, elevated the foot, and keep your boot on. It will reduce the swelling and immobilize the ankle. Where are you? We are at Rainbow Waterfall. Hunter activated his calm button and joined the conversation. Hello, Mrs. Young. We'll do that. We're safe, but we'll need help getting home. Okay, she responded. There was a slight pause as she was distracted. She said, Oh. I have a problem. My wristband is glowing pink. I'm ovulating. I won't be able to come to get you. I have to report to the community clinic for insemination. Go. It's mandatory, Betsy said. We aren't in danger. We can hang out for a couple of hours. I could send your father? Mrs. Young offered. No, her daughter said. If he's not your partner, the governor will take his place and knock you up. I couldn't stand it if I had a skinny, bald brother with a high-pitched voice. They all laughed. June said, I'll send your brother, Gunther. As his name was spoken, the 22-year-old stepped into the kitchen. He had overheard his mother talking and said, Send me where? I'm headed to the propagation clinic this morning. He held up his wristband. It glowed pink. Damn it! June cursed. She explained, Your brother is scheduled for the clinic, too. Betsy tried to lighten the mood by saying, I'll work on my suntan until a rescue party arrives. We'll be okay until you guys can get us. Okay, her mother responded. Be safe. We'll come to get you as soon as we can. Love you. Bye. Love you too, Betsy said. She and Hunter turned off their comms. She turned to him and said, So can you stand being with me for another couple of hours? Yes. You know I've always had your back. Betsy burst out laughing and covered her mouth with her hand. What's so funny? You've always had my back, she said. Remember in high school, how we were always lined up in alphabetical order? I was next to last, and you were behind me. Yes. You're a young and I'm a Zimmerman. My desk was behind yours. So? You were always looking out for me. Once, after one of my frequent trips to the bathroom, I came back to my desk with my skirt tucked into my panties and my butt showing. You were blushing and pointing, and it took me a full minute to figure out that you were trying to tell me I needed to fix my clothes. Then there was the time when I had toilet paper hanging out the back of my pants. Or the worst, most embarrassing moment of my life the time I was on my period and the end of my skirt got stuck to the sticky side of my pad after I lifted it up to pee. Not only would everyone have seen my butt and underwear, but they'd have known I was menstruating. I would have been mortified. Her face blushed red. So did his he said. I did what any good friend would do. Before Betsy could reply, her wristband beeped and glowed pink. They both stared at it. He said, Ow, we have a problem. She shook her wrist and said, Really? Now? Today, my body finally decides to produce an egg? She looked at her friend and said in a frightened voice, Hunter, I'm ovulating. That's not good. I know, she said. Her voice was an octave higher than usual. If you don't mate, that computer on your wrist is going to cause all sorts of unpleasant things to happen. I know. I've been briefed. Hunter, I'm scared. She reached out to him. He came to her and hugged her. She whimpered and tears filled her eyes. She spoke into his shoulder. I've seen the videos of women writhing and crying out in pain. It is so important we grow our population that the elders designed some very nasty consequences for women who refuse to participate in the breeding program when they are fertile. My bracelet is going to activate sensors in my body and hurt me if I don't have intercourse soon. Hunter said. I've seen the videos. Population growth is essential for the colony to succeed and for mankind to survive. The consequences for those men and women who choose to opt out of the program are draconian. Electric shocks growing in intensity are administrated to coerce people who won't automatically follow the mandate. He didn't have a solution for her, so he just held her tight. They hugged in silence for a full 60 seconds. She pulled away, looked him in the eye, and said, You're going to have to do it. You have to have sex with me. He nodded and said, I'm sorry there isn't another option. She plastered the bravest smile on her face and said, At least I didn't get paired with squeaky voice, Governor Monroe. Hunter smiled and said, Yeah. They shared a nervous laugh and then she kissed him on the cheek and said, Be gentle. It's my first time. Really? You're so beautiful. You never... His voice trailed off, she said. In school, I focused on my studies and, honestly, I wasn't ready. I was going to do it with Branson the night of the prom, but he got drunk. Remember my strapless gown? I'm pretty sure everyone does. The girls were out on display that night. Betsy blushed, laughed, and then said, Yes. The dress was low-cut and the corset top supported and pushed up my bosoms. After the dance, when we were alone in a bedroom, Branson got sick and threw up he puked on my boobs. It went down my dress. I was so skeeved out that all I could think about was getting his puke off me. When I came back after a long shower, he was asleep. I called my mom. She came and got me. I returned home intact and I'm still a virgin. I see. This is going to be awkward. She nodded and said, Yes. I want you to kiss me, fondle my breasts, and lick my pussy. Do everything a man has to do to arouse a female and prepare her for intercourse. Let's not let our feelings of embarrassment cause us to skip a step that may cause me unnecessary pain when you penetrate me. Understood, he said. She planted a quick kiss on his lips and said, First, she glanced at her bare breast and said, Second, she looked at her crotch and said, Third and home, he gave her a strange look. Her words confused him. She giggled and said, You've been to first and second base with me. Here's hoping you slide into home safely. He grinned and said. You always did have a wacky sense of humor. It comes in handy at moments like this. I can't wait to tell my girlfriends that the first time I did it, my partner insisted I keep one on." They both laughed. The tension eased. She looked at him with big eyes and said, We better begin or I'll be shocked. He nodded and guided her down onto her back. He was nervous. He wasn't ready to kiss her on the lips so he turned her face away. He kissed her earlobe and then her neck. Oh! She gasped as dozens of thoughts ran through her mind he gave her soft, short kisses on the neck and jawline. His hand found her bare breast. He gently squeezed and caressed it. Oh! She cooed he felt her heart beating a mile a minute. He turned her face toward his and kissed her on the mouth. She responded and pressed her soft lips against his warm ones. The longer they kissed, the easier it became. Closed-mouth kisses turned into open-mouth kisses. Biology took over. He was a good-looking guy. She was young, pretty, and in heat. Their bodies instinctively knew that they should have sex. Back at the base. June had done her morning routine, gotten dressed, and was fixing breakfast. Her husband returned from his morning run. He stepped into the kitchen, grabbed a glass, filled it with water from the tap, and drank deeply. June said, I hope you can clear your morning schedule. She held up her arm and showed him that her wristband was pink. Yes. No problem. Will you be wearing your sexy underwear? No, she answered. The 39-year-old woman blushed. Even after 21 years of being with this man, at times, she still felt like the shy, nerdy, science major in awe of the handsome college jock who had stopped to talk to her and then asked her out on a date. Her face was red as she said, You know, I save my silk lingerie for our bedroom." I've got to go to the clinic and have sex with someone of my choice and two men selected by the computer. This isn't about making love. I'm being serviced like a broodmare. Since I'll be coming home with a pussy full of sperm, I'll be wearing plain cotton panties. Washability is the key factor determining what underwear I wear today. He laughed, came up behind her, and hugged her. He thought it was cute when his super smart wife became embarrassed. She had a degree in nursing and yet when it came to sex... Sometimes she acted as if she was still the cute, shy, freshman girl with the thick glasses who didn't believe any man would find her appealing. You turned me down the first time I asked you out because you thought it was a prank. He said. She sighed and leaned her head back on his chest. I didn't think such a hottie would ever be interested in me. He grabbed her heavy tits and gently squeezed them. She stiffened. He said, relax. The kids are out of the house. He felt her relax. He continued to grope her fine pear. He said. Browless, I see. I approve. What's the point? She said. The less I wear, the less I'll have to take off. I'll be naked soon and you and two other men will have their way with me. So. It's sex with multiple partners today. He teased. Just like your old college day. I knew there was a wild, sensuous woman hiding behind your no-no makeup, smart girl demeanor. Just as I knew your baggy top was hiding these luscious sea cups and those ratty sweatpants you had on were an attempt camouflage a perfectly formed ass. I was a good girl. A virgin when I met you. We did the multiple partners once, and only because I was high. We went to a party, and someone spiked the marijuana with PCP. My memory of that night is hazy. Everyone's clothes fell off. We were in a mush pit of naked bodies where everyone kissed and caressed each other. And sucked cock, ate pussy, and fucked. Yes. That was a good time. I remember other orgies. Don't you remember the time I caught you naked and fooling around with your roommate? That was rape. Kimmy drugged us. She left you passed out on the floor. She stripped me and had oral sex with me on my bed without my consent. I don't know. I didn't hear you complaining. He teased. When I woke, Kimmy had her snout between your legs. She was going to town, and you were moaning up a storm. June spun around. Her eyes were flashing lightning bolts, she pounded on his muscular chest ineffectively, and said. She had a psychological breakdown caused by the pressure of her exams. She drugged us and had her way with me. Thank God you woke up and stopped her before she had a chance to fuck me with her strap-on. Yes. That dildo was huge. I'd imagine it could have done some damage. Okay, I won't count that one, but there's still that time on spring break. We were in Florida. I changed the tire of that couple in their forties who owned a vintage automobile. To thank me, they invited us to their beach house and gave us champagne. We went skippy dipping in their pool and fucked side by side in the moonlight. Round two had me dipping my wick into the cougar while the dapper man plunged his cock into you. He smiled and said. And then there was the time at the rock concert and the time we went skiing. And neither of us had slept with a black person, so we swung with a nice couple from Charleston and remember— We met those cool Brits and loved their posh accents. Her face turned red. She smiled and changed her story. Like I said, I participated in a dozen or so orgies before we landed on this planet. I was a shy girl growing up. I didn't really date until college where I met this super handsome, super confident guy who brought out the inner slut in me. The bastard popped my cherry, impregnated me, and introduced me to his hedonistic lifestyle. The two of them laughed. She pulled out of his grasp and said, go take a shower. I'll see you at the love nest in the propagation center. I'm heading over to see if other women are ovulating. Liar! You want to see who's on your list? Her husband razzied her. Yes, she confessed. We agreed that since we were going to be forced to have sex with other partners it was okay to enjoy it. I'm curious who my other lovers are and I'm hoping they are fun. Per our agreement, I will share every detail with you tonight. And I'll get so fucking hard. I'll pound your pretty little pussy until we both explode. Back to kids. After necking an adequate amount of time, Hunter slid down to her breasts. He groped the clothed one and studied the naked one up close. She was blessed with full, round breasts. The teenager's nipples, like her breasts, were unexpectedly mature. Many teenage women have dime-sized areolas that, when erect, form small peaks. Not this girl. Her dark, Reddish-tinted areolas were two inches in diameter and supported an impressively long and thick nipple dot he latched on to the exposed one and suckled.
0: Oh. Oh.
1: She groaned out he sucked for a long time. She grew wet. He became erect. He toyed with her teeth sucking, licking, nipping, and then, ignoring it as he fondled the fleshy part of her boob. Ark. Don't stop sucking. She whimpered and protested his neglect of her nub dot he smiled and said, There'll be more of that. I want to feel my skin on your skin. Let's get undressed. He stood and stripped off his boots and clothes. She giggled when she saw his hard, heavy dick and said, Nice one. Oh, you're an expert, I suppose. He teased. No, she said and her face blushed red. But I hear things. Women talk. Those who've been matched with you at the propagation party sing the praises of you and your equipment. Oh my God! Have you been with my mother? No. Thank goodness, she shivered and said. I don't know why that would bother me. It's not like either of you have a choice over the person you are matched up with, he said. I think our parents have had sex. Can we not talk about who our moms and dads are screwing? Deal. Let's get you undressed. He knelt in the sand, untied the boot on her good foot, removed it, and peeled off her sock. She sat up and pulled down the top of her torn jumpsuit exposing her other breast. No bra? He teased. She blushed and replied, No. I got dressed in a hurry this morning and the suit has built in support. She laid down and said, I'll lift my hips while you pull on the pant legs. He tugged and the pants came off. She pulled her good leg free. The jumpsuit fabric clumped around her injured foot. He spied her cartoonish, low-rise panties. He laughed and said, Nice. Betty Boop. A classic. She was defensive as she explained. They're fun and comfortable. This morning I dressed for me. I wasn't expecting to be showing anyone my panties. I'm sorry for being an asshole. This is hard enough without me teasing you about your underwear. Do you want to keep them on a while longer? No. Let's get it over with. She lay back and lifted her butt again. He came forward and rolled her panties down. She bent her knee and pulled her right leg out of them. Betty Boop joined the jumpsuit in a heap around her twisted ankle. Hunter looked up at her nude body and said, Wow! You're beautiful. Not too hairy? I hear some men like pussies with no hair. He touched her shaved, toned leg, looked at the fur at the junction of her legs, and said, Some men are jerks. You're perfect. Trimmed is good enough. He crawled up beside her. He ran his hands over her thighs through her wiry, brown curls, across her stomach and breasts. He said, You are gorgeous. She blushed. His light touch made her body tingle. He leaned in, lay partial on her, and kissed her hungrily. Mmm, she moaned. When the kiss ended, she said, You were right. Skin on skin is nice. They kissed and touched each other. He caressed her breasts. She played with his dick. She squeezed and stroked it. He sucked on both her boobs.
0: Oh, I
1: feel my body getting warm and my pussy getting wet, she said. She cradled his head and pulled it to her chest. He continued his good efforts and she benefited from it. He snaked a hand down her belly and raked his fingers through her dark, brown bush. He located her slit, gathered her moisture on his fingertips, and used it to aid him as he rubbed her sex. Oh. Oh. She moved her hips and spread her legs to enhance her pleasure and to encourage him to continue. He did. He dipped a finger into her pussy and then played with her clit. Fluid gushed from her vagina. She didn't know what made it happen. She felt herself get very wet and knew that the moisture came from inside her. She moaned approvingly.
0: Oh. Oh. Oh.
1: Her pussy perfumed the air around them. She stuttered and said,
0: Ah. Ah.
1: Sorry about the odor. It's so strong. He looked at her face. Her eyes were opened wide and her cheeks flushed. He spoke calmly to reassure her. There's no need to be embarrassed. What we smell is not an objectionable odor. That is your scent, the nature bouquet of an aroused woman. Men like it. I like your musk. He pulled his fingers from her sex, brought them to his mouth, sniffed them, and licked them. Lovely. Delicious. He craved more and dove between her legs to drink the heavenly nectar straight from the source. Betsy applauded his decision and cried out. Yes. Yes. She felt warm all over. Hunter felt good and warm all over, too. He savored her salty, pungent flavor. Oh, God! Oh, that feels good, she cried. I think I'm ready. I doubt I can get any wetter down there. Okay, he said. He raised up and licked his lips like a man who didn't want to waste a drop. He crawled on the sand and knelt between her legs. He touched the tip of his dick to her sex and said, I agree you're plenty wet. Shall I? I slide into home base. She joked to mask her fear. He nodded and pushed through her trimmed pubes. Oh. She gasped sharply when the head passed through her outer labia. It was at the entrance of her vagina. He stopped, raised his eyebrows, and asked, You okay? She exhaled slowly and said, I'm all right. I'm nervous and your thick dick scared me as it forced my petals open. Go on. Push your dick into me. Slowly. Please. Hunter smiled and pressed on. He hit her hymen and blew past it. He stopped when she shouted. Fuck! That smarted. I think you just destroyed my maidenhead. Definitely. Sorry. Too much? Too fast? No. She took a deep breath to calm and center herself. She looked up at him and said, This is all so new and frightening. I have to give you credit, Hunter. You got me ready and you're being kind and careful. Still, I'm finding this overwhelming. She paused, smiled, and said, Do it. Do me. Hunter thrust and drove his dick further into her. He watched his hard cock slowly disappear into her pussy and he smiled. Oh, she cooed. He looked up at her face. It was as if her groan reminded him that another person was there and participating in the pleasurable act. He noted that she had mouth open and her eyes closed. Then... His gaze drifted down to her large breasts and their large teats. He reached out, grabbed one, and twisted the thick, dark nipple he heard her moan and saw her body shiver. He bottomed out and savored being buried to the hilt in her young, tight pussy. He withdrew his penis and sank it in over and over again. Betsy moaned and her body trembled. He was considerate. Since this was her first time, he was very careful IT was exciting fucking this pretty woman. He'd fantasized for years about being with her and having sex with her. He enjoyed her amazing body doubly so because he never thought he'd be doing this. Oh. Oh H. He cried out as all those factors caused him to come. He got overly excited and came. He sprayed her insides with all the sperm his balls could muster. He collapsed on top of her. Betsy lay there confused and bewildered by the experience. He gasped for air. His hot, sweaty body made her hot and sweaty. She was glad when he rolled off to focus on his orgasm. She watched his chest rise and fall. Then, she watched her bracelet. She waited for one of the sensors embedded in her body to note that semen was in her vagina, and therefore, she shouldn't be tortured. She saw a green light and knew she was safe a little blood mixed with his cum and dribbled out of her pussy. She sat up, examined herself, and saw the pinkish mixture run down her thigh a minute later, Hunter looked at her and asked, "'Are you okay?' Yes. There's a little blood, but no pain. I'd say I'm not injured, not traumatized, but confused. The penetration felt as I guessed it would. Something warm and hard was inside me. If I had to describe it, I'd say there was stretching, wet friction, and a sense of fullness. He smiled at her and said, I'd say it was a win. You weren't hurt, and we satisfied the machines. Yes. This time. How long can we rest? We have thirty minutes to do it again. She looked at his shrunken cock and said, Will you be ready? Yes. Pass me my canteen and get some water for you to drink too. They drank water and rested for fifteen minutes. Betsy wristband glowed pink again. She said, Wayne to get this show on the road or I'll be screaming like my hair's on fire. She looked at his flaxed member and asked, Do we have a problem here? No, but a little playtime would help. How about you get on your hands and knees and dangle your big, beautiful breasts in my face? Okay, she answered and did as he asked. She straddled his six-pack, put her hands in the sand beside his head, and gravity pulled her tits into perfect spheres. Big, fluffy, bouncing orbs. She battered his face with her soft pillows that he laughed. She laughed feeding off the fun he was exhibiting. Careful, he teased. Those tits could smother a man. She leaned down, crushed them into his face, and said, Why do I think you'd die with a smile on your face? She lifted up and he motorboated her boobs. She giggled. Her tatie-ass swayed and shimmied much to Hunter's enjoyment. Careful! He teased again. Those nipples are as thick as my pinky and nearly as long. They could put my eye out. She responded by trying to put one in his eyes. She dragged her erect nips across his face. It tickled him and sent electric pulses to her pussy. She felt something twitch and graze her thigh. She looked down and saw his erection. She said, Yeah, it's back. She licked her hand, rubbed her pussy, and then grabbed his dick. She sat down on it. They both cried out. Oh, when it went into her, she said, I'll be in charge this time. Knock yourself out, he said cheerfully. Or I guess up is more appropriate for this occasion. Oh, 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 she moaned as she slid halfway down his pole. She asked, Do you think I really could get pregnant? It has happened to other women, he said. They fucked cautiously as they carried on a conversation. It was difficult to talk because of their hard breathing and periodic moans of pleasure. Hmm, he groaned and then said. The doctors designed this protocol to maximize that possibility. Oh, she took all of him into her. She sat and ground her clit into his pubic bone and groaned. Oh, nice. Oh, then she said. I ovulate and a propagation party is held and six men shot a load in my hoo-ha. Mmm. M. He groaned as he thrust into her. Yes. To compensate for our low sperm counts, you'd get multiple partners. The plan was to do as they did on Earth. Harvest eggs from women, collect sperm from men, and fertilize the eggs outside the body. Then implant the embryos. We can't do that since we lost the IVF equipment. uh huh She responded letting him know she was listening. She then followed up with Kuzov. Oh. 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 As she bounced up and down on his thick cock. My sperm count is, like most of the men here, a third of what it should be. The doctor's answer was to use three men to generate the amount needed to do the job. Oh. This is good. She moaned. She was riding him slowly and moving her hips in a circle. She teased her cunt with his cock and loved it. She opened her eyes and said, Does this mean if your sperm count decreases women would be fucked by more men? Maybe next time I get a dozen guys. She giggled. Oh. Fuck. You're tight. He groaned and added. It's all about the math. He sat up, took a nipple in his mouth, and put both hands on her tits. He was close to coming. He figured she was too inexperienced to climax on his dick so he took his pleasure. He groped and sucked on her breasts while he drove his cock into her nice hole. It wasn't long before he announced his orgasm. Oh. Oh. Fuck! He screamed. He came and gave her his seed. She accepted it gracefully, climbed off him, and lay with her head on his chest. He was lost in his bliss and then, in a nap dot he woke to find her squatting off to the side peeing. She saw him stir, blushed, and said, Great! Another first. Caught pissing in the sand. Her stream was strong. He watched the liquid flow. Then falter and eventually halt. She went to the river, put a hand in the water, and washed her pussy. That he teased her and said, I hope you didn't piss out any of my sperm. Ha! Different holes. You know, even a man with a low sperm count puts millions of the little buggers inside a woman's vagina and it only takes one. He stood and went to the river's edge and peed. Ah! He sighed as his urine joined with the water and was carried away. Show off, she teased. You have it so easy. Wiped it out, point, shot, and shake. God made it easy for us because if he hadn't men would die of filth and yeast infections. They shared a laugh. Then he said, How long was I asleep? Twenty minutes. We need to get going. Are you ready to go again? Pretty much. She slipped her hand between her legs and rubbed her clit. Hunter went into the water and washed his genitals. He came back to her and kissed her hard on the lips. She pressed her breast to him and kissed him back. He slid down to his knees pulling her with him. Eventually, he was laying on his back and she was on top of him. They continued to kiss dot he grabbed her bottom and shook a slim ass cheek. He teased her and said, You have world class tits, but no junk in the trunk. I'm like the model car my brother had as a kid. Are you familiar with the old Porsche 911? Like that car, I carry my junk in the front. He laughed, hefted a big boob, and said, That would explain everything. He brought his mouth to her soft, ripe tit and latched on to her large, hard nipple. She ran her fingers through his hair and then reached down to stroke his erection. Except, he didn't have one. They both looked down at his flaxen member dot, he said. I don't understand. Getting another erection in half an hour has never been a problem before. He stroked his soft cock and gave her a look of dismay while he shrugged his shoulders. I can fix it. She said. She slid off him, knelt beside him, and enveloped his dick with her mouth. I'm sorry, Betsy, he said. She grunted and continued her efforts. Moments later, he moaned. Ah. Oh. You're good at this. What did you learn to give a blowjob? She pulled off his thickening cock and said, I was a virgin. I never said I haven't fooled around with boys. She returned to her task and got him hard. There, she said proudly. Thanks let me get you ready. He pulled her to him, she lay on top of him, and they kissed. Her lips were warm and soft from giving him head. They kiss a bit. Then, he rolled her onto her back and he sucked on her tits while fingering her. She responded with groans of pleasure and a lubricated pussy dot he returned the favor and went down on her. He lapped her pussy with broad strokes and then, tongued her clit. Oh God! Wonderful! Oh God! She exclaimed. When he felt she was wet enough, he asked, Can you get up on your hands and knees? I'd like to do it doggy style. She giggled and said, Okay. That's a new one for me. Aren't they all? She laughed and said, Yes. She got into position that he slipped behind her, knelt, and stared at her bum. He reached out and caressed her slim bottom. He said, You have a great ass. She wiggled her caboose, laughed, and said, So upon further study, you've determined it's not too small and flat? Good to know. Make sure you put your cock in the right hole or I'll be electrocuted. He licked his fingers, rubbed his saliva on the tip of his dick, and shoved the bulbous crown into her vagina. He said jokingly, How about here? Is this the right spot? Ah, she shrieked in fear, not pain. Damn! You scared me. Isn't a courtesy here as comes required before you shove that big cock into a woman? Yes. Sorry, he said. I love the sight of you on your hands and knees. It was so hot to see your cute butt little asshole and your wet slit. I got too excited and put it in. His honest words made her smile. She said, you're forgiven. Now fed me more dick. He did. Oh, oh, she moaned that he echoed her sound as he too enjoyed what they were doing. Oh, what a girl. You've got a great little ass and a tight, little pussy. You're perfect. You'll make some boy very happy when you get married. She shoved her bum back and claimed more cock. Mmm. You fill me nicely. Who says I'm ever getting married? They fucked. They moaned. And they talked. Ah, he groaned. Don't you want kids? Yes. I want at least two. A little girl whose hair I can braid and a little boy who I can spoil rotten. She shoved her ass into him hard. You can give me one now. Oh. Yes. Like that. Fuck me harder. She requested that he slammed into her. He buried his cock deep inside her. He was breathing hard and said, This load's going straight into your cervix. Oh. Oh. She cried in rhythm with his quicker, harder thrust. I've heard some women talking about this program. They say having multiple men coming inside you doesn't significantly increase your chance of getting pregnant. Nothing plus nothing is still nothing. Bam. 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 Hunter slammed his dick home. He said breathily. Then why have the propagation parties? Sweat ran off his brow, down his face, and dripped on her tight butt, Betsy said. Some say it's for morale. So that the colony feels like we have a solution to the problem. People were devastated when they learned the IVF equipment was lost. Ah. There. Yes. Have your dick stroke me there. Oh. Hmm. She paused, closed her eyes, and focused on the pleasure building in her like a spring tightening. She said, Some women say Governor Monroe instituted the program so he and his cronies could fuck all the women. That's why six men are invited to have sex with each ovulating woman. The science I don't understand. You're right about the program being good for morale. It keeps the guys in line. Troublemakers and malcontents don't get to have sex as often as guys who follow the colony's rules. Oh. Stroke me. Oh. Oh. Betsy ordered. Hunter gave it to her with long, full strokes. He was breathing hard as he said. But some women have given birth. She slammed into his stout cock. Sighed loudly and belched.
0: Oh. Oh.
1: Then she said. Some women mesh well with their husbands. Even with their issues. They had a child on Earth and another here. Oh, oh! She cooed and added, "Or a baby could be proof of the old adage that even a broken clock is right twice a day." Dot. Oh yes. Oh, oh! Betsy cried loudly and came hard. Hunter felt her pussy pulsate. He shoved his dick and forcefully and deep. He shot his load. He gave her all the sperm he could muster. Oh, oh! He groaned as he ejaculated. Dot. He lay on the ground. Betsy collapsed on top of him. They were lost in their bliss and then lost to sleep. There they are! June called out. She was standing on the shore and pointed to a small island in the middle of the river. She and her husband, Xander, and their son, Gunther, jumped from rock to rock and then onto the small island. Gunther asked, Why are they naked? He and his father couldn't stop their eyes from studying Betsy's young, naked body. Her skin was flawless, and she had bigger than expected tits. June rushed to her daughter. She ignored her state of undress. Her concern was her daughter's health and safety. Her eyes quickly scanned her for injuries. She knelt beside her and cried out, Betsy! The teenager stirred. Betsy woke and answered, Mom? She saw her family and was embarrassed by her nakedness. Betsy sat up, brought her knees up to hide her boobs, and crossed her ankles hoping that would cover her vagina. Then she kicked her lover and said, Hunter, wake up! ah, my parents are here. The fog of sleep still had him. He rolled over. His dick slapped against his thigh. He opened his eyes and realized that he and Betsy were no longer alone. Oh, hi, he said. He used his hand to cover his cock. Betsy stuttered and said, ah, ah. Hi, mom. Hi, dad. Hello, Gunther. I can explain. Her family took in the scene before them. Two teenagers naked with soiled genitals. The well being of the kids having been established, the shocking nature of the situation hit everyone. It was obvious the teens had had sex. The new arrival stared open mouthed at the naked pair. The kids were equally shocked, totally embarrassed, and at a loss for words. Xander ended the awkward silence and said, Why don't you get dressed and then we can talk? He turned away and looked toward the waterfall. He said, Gunther, give them some privacy. June gave the booted foot a quick exam and then began untangling her daughter's clothing. Gunther asked his father, What? Why do I need to turn away? He stared at his sister's big breasts and ogled his sibling's hairy pussy as she slipped one leg through the Betty Boop panties their mother held open. He said, We've all seen each other naked lots of times when, as a family, we've sunbathed nude in the backyard. Sander tapped his son on the arm and said, Turn around. A person nude enjoying the sunshine is innocent. Seeing someone naked after they've had sex is intrusive if you weren't their partner. Oh, Gunther grunted. He nodded, turned around, and joined his dad looking at the waterfall. Hunter stood, gathered his clothes, and dressed quickly. Betsy's big breasts bounced and jiggled as she got into the jumpsuit. She placed her right hand over her left boob because the rip top wouldn't stay in place. I can fix that, June said. She reached into her handbag, rummaged about, and pulled out a safety pin. My mother said a girl should always have a comb, a mirror, lipstick, and a safety pin in her purse. Hold still. June used the pin to perform a makeshift repair to her daughter's top. Thanks, Betsy said. Dad, Mom, we had sex, but we didn't come here to have sex. Her family listened as she and Hunter told the tale. They were out picking flowers. Betsy fell into the river. She hurt her ankle and she couldn't walk, and then the bracelet glowed pink. Betsy was very emotional. She said. I couldn't get home and the bracelet was pink. We did what we had to do. Hunter said. Silence descended upon the island. June broke it saying, You poor dears. She hugged her daughter. Xander said, I understand. You had no other choice. Hunter, Gunther, come with me. We have a buggy at the river's edge. There's a stretcher there too. Let's get it and get Betsy home. While the men were away, June asked, Are you okay? Yes, Mom. You weren't shocked? No. We did it three times in the allotted time. I see, June said. She smiled and added. Lucky for you, Hunter is so young, virile, and resilient. She raised her hand and slowly extended her index finger mimicking a penis becoming erect. Betsy blushed at the reference. Then, both women laughed. I was scared. It was my first time going all the way. Betsy confessed. Hunter got me through it. He was kind and gentle. Oh, baby! June wailed. She hugged her daughter tight, tears flowed from her eyes, and she said, I'm sorry you were forced to have sex. Governor Monroe's mandate is barbaric and, in my opinion, bad science. Why Dr. Monson sanctioned it I'll never understand. The men brought the stretcher to the sandy island. They attached limbs to it so it was buoyant. They put Betsy on it and floated her safely to the shore. Then, they climbed into the vehicle and drove home. As they got closer to the colony, June said. Xander, take us to the clinic. Betsy needs crutches and she needs to be registered into the system since she's ovulating. He pulled into the clinic's parking lot. The men waited in the lobby. June went and got some crutches and then she took her daughter into an exam room. Wait here, June said. Hop up on the exam table. Two minutes later, she returned with Dr. Doris Shepard. Betsy was sitting on the edge of the exam table. Her mother said. Betsy, Doris is on duty today. I've asked her to look at your ankle. Sure. Hi, Dr. Shepard. I heard about your adventure, the middle-aged physician said as she put on latex gloves. So it's the left one? Lay down, please, with your left foot hanging off the table. Betsy reclined and stuck her left foot out. The doctor removed her boot and sock. She touched, examined, and manipulated her foot and ankle. Ouch. Betsy cried out. Sorry but that's a good sign. The doctor let go of her foot. Sprains hurt. Broken bones usually are numb or tingle. You reacted when I was manipulating the soft tissue and not when I tested the bones. Everything is aligned properly. I believe you sprained, not broke, your ankle. The doctor gave her a smile and said, keep the ankle elevated and rest as much as possible. I'll give you crutches to use. Document. I'm not coordinated enough to use crutches. I barely made it from the lobby to here. One of the kids in my high school used a walking boot when he injured his ankle. Could I get a boot instead? Your sprain is not a major injury. A walking boot is good enough. Doris adopted a serious look and she said, I understand you had intercourse today for the first time. That can be traumatic under the best conditions and your circumstances were less than ideal. The young woman's face turned bright red. She said, Oh God. Mom. Are you telling everyone? No, but we're here. Doris is a doctor. If you have questions, concerns, or pain, now is a good time to talk. Betsy, everything I do or we talk about is covered by doctor-slash-patient confidentiality. Dr. Shepard said, Our computer has a wireless connection to your wristband. I knew it turned pink and I knew you had sex. I didn't know it was your first time. Oh. You know the protocol is for you to have sex three times tomorrow. The doctor said, Shall I take a quick look to judge if you are up to it? Yes. Her mother stepped forward and helped her out of her jumpsuit and underwear. The doctor pulled the stirrups out. The naked nineteen-year-old lay on the exam table. She spread her legs wide and placed her calves on the leg supports. Her bare breasts sat high and proud on her chest, June said. Look at her perky breasts. When I'm on my back, my boobs slide into my armpits. Ah, yes. To be young again. Doris sighed. If it was me on the table, my sagging breasts would be on the floor. The women laughed. Then, the doctor sat on a stool and rolled over in between the teenager's legs. Her mother stood behind her. Both women looked at her furry sex. Dr. Shepard reached out and touched Betsy's vulva. Then, she brushed her pubic hair aside and touched and examined her labia and vaginal opening. Everything looks okay, Doris said. She applied lubricant to the fingers of one gloved hand and said, I'm going to slip two fingers into your vagina, okay? Yes. She slid them in and felt around. Everything feels fine to me. Any pain? No. Good. The doctor withdrew her fingers, pulled off her gloves, and said, You're in tip-top shape. I don't see any problems. You can get dressed. After you have your jumpsuit on, I'll fit you for the boot and show you how to put it on and take it off. You both will be scheduled to be with three men tomorrow. The doctor stood. She went and got a walking boot while Betsy dressed. When she returned, she explained how to put it on and take it off. Together, she and Betsy put it on. Then, the doctor went over to a computer terminal, and she hit a few keys and up popped a list of names. Dr. Shepard said, Betsy, these are the men the computer has selected for you. Come have a look. Betsy and her mother came over and saw two dozen names on the screen. Doris said, I can give you the choice you were denied yesterday. Pick one and he'll be your first partner tomorrow. Betsy scanned the list. Many were men 20 years older than she was. She said, I'd like someone my age. She read the list and found a cute boy her age. She said, Sage Ryder. Sage it is, Dr. Shepard said with a smile. She hit a key and locked in her choice. An email was sent to Sage telling him to report to the clinic tomorrow at 9 a.m. His wristband would glow pink tomorrow morning the other two men will be selected by the computer. June, as usual, your three partners will be selected for you. Any questions? The two women shook their heads. Dr. Shepard said, Okay. See you tomorrow. The governor was alone at his desk in his office. His wristband flashed blue. By the number of flashes, he knew the alert involved the propagation center. He said, Let's see what this is about. Any distraction that takes me away from reviewing budget numbers is a welcome break. He tapped some keys on his computer and read the message. Well. 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 If this isn't good news. So Betsy Young has finally ovulated. That hot young daughter of the hot, sexy nurse. This is good news indeed. He typed on the computer. I had scheduled myself to be with the mother tomorrow. A couple of keystrokes and now I will have the pleasure of having the daughter. He laughed as he put the order in place. I'll throw a bone to my partner in crime who made all this possible. I'll make Dr. Monson one of her partners, too. After me, of course. The next morning, June and Betsy went to the propagation center. Florence, the receptionist, greeted them. Good morning, ladies. Betsy, you poor thing. Injured and out in the wilds when your first egg drops. Thank God, Hunter was with you. Yes. Florence was a pleasant— Chubby, middle-aged woman. She smiled and said, Betsy, you're in room number one. June, you have room number two. Do you need me to take you to your assigned rooms? No, Flo, June said. I know the way. I'll get her settled in and explain the setup. Florence held up some papers and said, These are the men you are being paired with today. Good luck. I hope you get pregnant. Thanks, June said. She grabbed the papers, looped her arm through her daughter's arm. And led her into room 1. Betsy said, Wow. This isn't what I expected. It's luxurious and there's a nice bathroom. I was expecting a Spartan, sterile space. Her mother laughed and said, The idea was to make it seem like a five star resort. It has mood lighting, speakers for music, a full bar, and a large bed with rich bed coverings. It's supposed to reassure us and put us in the mood for sex. Sex for procreation. Yes. Here are the rules. This isn't about love or making love this is about making babies. You don't have to kiss anyone. The men are supposed to be considerate, but the concept of being gentle varies greatly from guy to guy. Don't be afraid to speak up if they are too rough, aggressive, or boorish. Okay. This is awkward for us and them. Some of the men. I'm not sure how to phrase this so I'll blurt it out. Some of the men will have trouble getting an erection. They're nervous, embarrassed, have a wife or girlfriend, etc you may have to help them out. What will I have to do? For starters, you'll be naked. The men are allowed to look and to touch you. They can caress your body, suck on your nipples, and lick your vagina. Nothing rough is allowed. No spanking. No BDSM. No anal. That is usually enough for most men to get it up. However, you may need to give some a handjob or blowjob. They can request a position or ask you to join them in the shower. You can decline. The sex should be done safely and to a conclusion for the men. Most women don't orgasm. If the guy hasn't been a jerk, we usually let them lay with us and enjoy the afterglow of their climax. I see. He'll leave. When you are ready for the next man, push this button. June gestured to a green button by the door. This turns on a light outside that lets the next candidate know he can enter and unlocks the door. June walked over to the nightstand, opened the drawer, and said, In here is a vibrator. There is also lubricant. Any questions? I guess not. I'm going to be fucked in a pretty setting as humanely as possible. That's about it, June said and gave her child the wry grin. Let's see your list. Betsy handed it over. June read it and smirked. She said, Sage is a good one to start with. The young ones are usually shy and polite. I see the governor is on the list and the top doctor. They've had me. The computer has us organized into classes by education levels, health, and occupations. Since your dad and I are considered highly skilled professionals, we are in group number one. The children are normally placed in the same group as their parents. If the kids are exceptional, they can be bumped up a class. If the child has health or learning issues, they are demoted. You and your brother are in our group. We are most often paired with the elite and their families. Genetics. Put the best with the best and hope for the best. Betsy said. Yes. The men on your list aren't warm and fuzzy, but it could be worse. They will be clean. She hugged her child and said, Good luck. I'll wait for you in the lobby. Get undressed and when you're ready, push the green button. June left her daughter and went into room hashtag two dot Betsy went to the bathroom, peed, cleaned up, and took off her clothes. She'd worn a skirt so her walking boot wouldn't complicate getting undressed. She looked at her body in the mirror. She touched her stomach and asked, Baby, are you in there? She returned to the bedroom, pushed the green button, and turned down the bed covers. She sat on the edge of the bed with her legs crossed and her hands on her lap waiting for her first partner. A minute later, Sage entered. The young man was a year older and several inches taller than she was. He had long, curly, brown hair that cascaded down to his shoulders. He was a good-looking man. He was wearing a robe. He said, Hi. His eyes locked on her bare tits. Hi! She self-consciously raised an arm and covered her breasts that he took off his robe and hung it on a hook. His cock was rock hard. Her eyes focused on it. He noticed and apologized. I'm sorry. I can't help that I have an erection. Yesterday, when I learned I was going to be paired with you, I got a hard-on. I woke up this morning with one and I've been stiff for nearly an hour. I've always thought you're hot. And wow! Seeing you naked removes all doubt. You are super hot. She giggled nervously. I guess I should take it as a compliment. He glanced at her boot and said, I heard you sprained your ankle and were stranded outside the compound when your bracelet activated. That must have been scary. Yes. Thank goodness Hunter was with me. He came over and sat beside her. He grabbed her arm and moved it off her chest. You're beautiful in these. These are magnificent. I've never seen a finer pair. He stared at her tits. He reached out and touched them without asking. He didn't bother with any small talk to put her at ease. He guided her to her back and focused all his attention on her boobs. His hands groped them. His mouth kissed and sucked on her big breasts. She was distressed by his behavior. He didn't seem to notice or care that he spent a lot of time enjoying her breasts. Periodically, he'd moan or say something like, Awesome! Or... Amazing! He slid on top of her. His dick pressed against her sex. What are you doing? She asked. Doing the deed, he said. Thanks for letting me play with your tits. It's time to do what we're here to do. He got on up on his knees, grabbed his cock, and placed it on her slit. Wait. I'm not ready. What? I'm not ready. I'm not wet. Didn't you? You know, masturbate and lube up? He asked. His face showed a look of surprise. No! I thought we'd spend some time together, and you'd prepare me. That's not normally how it's done. This isn't a date. Most women, especially the older ones, want to get it over with as fast as possible. I thought I was lucky you allowed me some time to slobber on your boobs. Oh. I see. Give me a second. There's some lube in the drawer. He moved aside. She rolled over, got the lube, removed the cap and squeezed some onto her hand she reached for his dick dot he said whoa don't if you touch me i'm liable to shop my load into your hand lube your cunt she stared at him thinking this is surreal did he really say cunt i'm not rubbing my pussy in front of him she said excuse me she went into the bathroom her boot made a loud clunking noise on the ceramic floor she closed the door and rubbed the lubricant on her vulva and in her vagina She closed her eyes, thought of Hunter, and masturbated until her own lubricant was present. Then, she washed her hands and stepped into the bedroom. Sage was laying on the bed lightly stroking his cock. He smiled when he saw her and asked, Ready? Sure. She climbed on the bed and lay on her back. He lay on top of her and poked around until he found her sweet spot and then, he drove his dick into her. Oh, he moaned. I love being inside you. Ah. Ah. she cried. It hurt as his dick slid inside her. She wasn't as ready as she thought or as he'd expected dot a dozen pumps later, he cried out. Oh, awesome. He climaxed and filled her sore pussy with cum. He lay on top of her like a dying fish. He flopped about and gasped for air. She pushed on his chest and he rolled off dot a minute later, he said. That was great. He grabbed a hand towel off the nightstand, cleaned his dick, and dropped it in a hamper. He put on his robe, smiled at her, and said, See you around. Out the door he went. She cried. That was horrible. So disappointing. She sobbed a bit. Then got up and went to the toilet. She expelled as much of his semen as she could and then pissed on it. She washed her hands and face, looked into the mirror, and said, You can get through this. Now you know. This process has nothing to do with love or pleasure. Her boot clunked on the floor. On her way back to bed, she pressed the green button. She got in bed and pulled the sheet up to her chin. Room number two first guy. After June left her daughter, she went to room number two. She pressed the green button and began getting ready. Charles entered the room soon after and said, Hi June. Hey Chuck. Sorry, I'm not undressed. I'll be ready for you in a jiffy. She said. She was sitting on the edge of the bed. She removed her second shoe. No problem. He took off his robe and hung it up. He stood completely naked. He was fit and had a great head of hair. He teased her and said, How you give me a strip tease? He strutted and sang, the stripper, song phonetically. Ba da ba da ba ba da They both laughed. What the hell? she said. You sing. I'll strip. Ba da ba da. He started up again. June stripped to his extemporaneous big band performance. She was soon naked. She playfully shook her tits and then, in a sassy manner, wiggled her butt at him. They both had to stop because they were laughing so hard. They sat on the bed, smiling and gasping for air. She said, That's the most I've laughed in a while. Thanks, Chuck. Me too, he responded. May I kiss you? Yes, and we are going to do more than kiss, my old friend. June leaned in and kissed him full on the lips in direct disregard of the rules of this place. June had learned in college that disregarding society's rules when it came to sex was a hell of a lot of fun. She and her husband had continued their hedonistic ways on planet Z-253. Charles and his wife, Maggie, were their first swinging partners on this new world that a Wednesday 22 months earlier. Mrs. Winderman, I'm going to open up your gown so I can do a breast exam. Dr. Doris Shepard explained in a calm, even voice. June stood silently off to the side. Okay. The obese woman who was perched on the edge of the exam table said. She was huge. The exam gown looked like it was made for a child. It was an extra large. It was the largest size they had and it wasn't big enough for the morbidly obese woman." Doctor Shepard untied the fasteners on the paper thin, open in the front gown. She pulled it to the side to expose her breasts. They were huge, torpedo-shaped boobs. The thick, pale zeppelin sagged and rested on the woman's huge stomach. For her usual practice, the doctor viewed the breasts looking for anomalies. The next step was to feel the flesh searching for lumps. She pressed with her fingers on the top and sides of the pendulous breasts. Uh, Doris grunted as she hefted one large, heavy boob to examine the underside of it. Then it happened. Mrs. Winderman sneezed violently. Her body lurched forward sending the doctor careening across the room. Next, Mrs. Winderman rocked backward to stop herself from crashing to the floor. The quick back-and-forth movements were too much for Mrs. Winderman to control. She lost her balance and began to tumble over. June was in the room assisting the doctor. She saw all this. She quickly stepped to the doctor's aid and caught her before she crashed into the counter. Out of the corner of her eye, she saw Mrs. W. teetering and falling off the exam table. She moved quickly in her direction and reached out to catch the behemoth. Ah! Mrs. Winderman cried out as she felt herself falling. Oh. June cried out as she struggled to keep the unsteady patient from falling on the floor. She succeeded in stabilizing Mrs. W. and prevented the fall, but she wrenched her back. This all happened in a second or two. When the event was over, Dr. Shepard asked, Is everyone all right? Yes. Sorry for knocking you across the room. Mrs. W. apologized. She turned to June and said, Thank you for stopping me from falling. You're welcome. June wheezed. She was not standing normally. Her body was crooked, out of its normal alignment. She rubbed her lower back. Her face grimaced in pain, and she said, My back hurts. Go. Rest, the doctor said. I'll finish the exam. June limped out of the room. June got herself a drink of water. She rested and tried to stretch her lower back to rid herself of the pain. Doris finished the exam, found June, and asked, Does your back still hurt? Yes. Go home and rest. Would you like a pill for the pain? No thanks. She laughed and said. This sounds funny coming from a nurse, but I don't like taking medicine. This has happened before. A good deep tissue, back massage usually fixes the problem. Dr. Shepherd touched her calm button and said, Maggie, it's Doris Shepard. A woman responded. What's up, Doc? A nurse of mine has been injured. She's hurt her lower back. Can I send her over for one of your fabulous massages? It's an emergency. Okie dokie. Thanks. She's on her way. Get naked, bitch! Maggie shouted when June stepped into her salon. June was shocked by her language. She stared at the small women in cotton drawstring shorts and a top with a mandarin collar and a zipper in the front. The petite, forty-five years old blonde looked good in the casual capri-colored outfit. The light blue spa uniform matched her sparkling eyes. June looked around. Maggie ran the best hair salon and spa on Z253. Eddie, one of her stylists, did June's hair. Usually, the place was packed with women getting manicures, pedicures, massages, and having their hair done. She was surprised to discover they were alone. Maggie laughed. She had a sexy laugh. It was deep and throaty. It started out as a whisper, and when she was laughing full out, you weren't sure if she was guffawing or orgasming. Her laugh was full of sounds that other women make when they're having great sex. Don't worry. It's just us. The shop isn't open on Wednesdays and I took advantage of that fact to surprise you with my potty mouth. Oh. I'm sorry to call you in on your day off. No problem. This is an emergency. So you hurt your back? Yes. Mrs. Winderman slipped. I moved quickly to stop her from falling. And well, you know how large she is. I strained my back. It hurts like hell. I don't like to take pain pills. Massages have relieved the pain in the past. I was hoping you could ease the muscle spasms and inflammation. I have the massage room ready. Go in, get undressed, and I join you in a minute. Thanks. Maggie opened the door. June stepped inside. The door closed automatically behind her. Soft music was playing. The room was dimly light. Scented candles provided a pleasant aroma. In the tranquil setting, June stripped, she lay naked and face down on the massage table. a minute later, Maggie entered the room. She saw a lovely, tan bottom. She snickered and said, I love casual day. I see you do too. Huh. Maggie smiled broadly, walked over to the massage table, patted her naked butt, and said, Most clients cover as much of themselves as they can so I keep a half dozen towels sitting out on the counter. I see you didn't grab one. Then, most women don't have a bum as fine as yours. Oh. I'm sorry if I breached protocol. I'm in so much pain all concerns about modesty have gone out the window. If you prefer I be covered, no? Actually, the towels are a nuisance. They fall off or get in the way. I only use them because the shy customers insist. I'm guessing your lack of tan lines mean you're not shy. No. June giggled. Like you, in my profession, I've seen it all. I'm used to seeing private bodies' parts. A person gets acclimated to nudity, and it's no longer a big deal. Personally, I find that being nude is fun and freeing. And my husband likes me best unclothed. Maggie laughed heartily. Yes. Men adore a naked woman. Even a flat-chested, flat bottomed girl like me. As she said flat-chested, Maggie quickly pulled down her zipper and flashed her small, tan tits, nipples and all. She left the zipper down. She looked hot like an actress on the red carpet wearing a gown with a severe plunging neckline. Oh, stop it. You're gorgeous. So slim and fit. Remember it's quality over quantity. Maggie playfully slapped June on the butt. She laughed her sexy laugh and said, Easy for you to say. You have both. Quality and quantity. My husband would give his right arm to sink his teeth into your magnificent gluteus maximus. My husband would give his right nut to nibble on your raspberry-shaped nipples. Enough foreplay. Maggie announced, Let's get your back squared away before the cork flies out of a bottle of wine and a lesbian love fest breaks out. She laughed her ribald cackle and reached for a bottle of oil. She poured some on her hands and some on June's back and began the massage. She started out moving her hands slowly. She used a gentle touch. She did June's entire back including her neck and shoulders. As her client relaxed, Maggie focused more on her lower back and did deep tissue massage. She was thorough. She also massaged June's butt. Occasionally, June moaned in pain or groaned in pleasure as relief washed over her. Maggie worked on her in silence for 25 minutes until all the knots, tension, and the pain was gone. There, she said. Better? Oh, God. Yes. June groaned. I feel like a new woman. She rolled on her side. Swung her legs over the edge of the table And hopped down to the floor Her ample bosom bounced Maggie watched and said enviously Just once, I'll like my boobs to jiggle like that She shrugged off her top exposing her braless breasts She jumped up and down three times Her small, flat, girlish tits barely moved You're adorable, June said They held each other's eyes Then, June's eyes dropped And studying the other woman's petite breasts She said I see we share the same love for the outdoors and the sun. She brushed the fingertips of her right hand down the other woman's breastbone and traced a line between her tiny, tan tits. Yes. I too am a sun worshiper. Maggie giggled and quickly twisted her torso and thrust one of her barely-there breasts into June's hand. June caressed her little boobie and then playfully pinched its erect, pink nipple. Ouch. Maggie cried out. She jumped to the side to escape. She reached out and tweaked one of June's nipple in retaliation. Both women screamed, laughed, and stepped out of reach of the other. Maggie said, I like you. I like you. Maggie said, I meant it when I said that my husband would like you. Were you serious that your husband would like me? Yes. If you're in charge of procuring women for him, sign me up. June laughed and said, Okay. How about Friday night? Works for me. I'll get the kids out of the house. Cocktails at 7:30. Dinner at 8. And? Maggie asked. One of her eyebrows shot up. And we'll see how it goes. Dress? June looked her up and down. She spent extra time admiring her little boobs and her fat nips. She said. For a beauty like you, clothing is optional. Ha! See you Friday. Ding dong. The doorbell rang precisely at 7:30 p.m. June and Xander went to the door, opened it, and greeted their guests. Hello Maggie. Hi Charles. They said with big smiles on their faces. June had on a cleavage-enhancing bra to go with her short, white v-neck dress. Maggie wore a vibrant red sarong and nothing else if you didn't count her four-inch tall stilettos. The silky material hugged her fit, petite body. Charles had on nice trousers and an open-neck, white button-up shirt. Xander wore tailored, cuffed khaki pants and a nice, light blue, knit shirt. The women insisted on hugging each other and the men. June said. Charles, you look nice. Maggie, you look fabulous tonight. Thank you. Charles answered. Maggie ignored her compliment and said, Shuck, those soft, tanned, squishy looking protrusions that are bursting out of June's top are called boobs. She tapped her flat chest with the palm of her left hand and said to the group, He's not familiar with them. He's been married to me for 22 years and, as you can see, I don't have that feature. I got the short, petite woman's body. My add ons are blonde hair, blue eyes, a super flexible body, and a raunchy sense of humor. While everyone laughed, Maggie kicked her right leg up and placed her ankle on the taller woman's shoulder. Whoa! June said, impressed by the demonstration of flexibility. Wow! Xander said because Maggie's sarong rode up and exposed her pussy. He and his wife could see Maggie's gash. She waxed and was hairless around her labia. She kept most of the blonde pubic hair that grew on her lower abdomen. Charles chortled. He'd learned a long time ago that his wife liked to shock people. Maggie let loose her sexy laugh and then said, "Do you like my curls? I know the current style is to remove all pubic hair, but since I'm built like a ten-year-old, I can't afford to erase any evidence that I'm of age." She brought her leg down. Charles guffawed along with the youngs, and after he caught his breath, he said, "Love, I know that's one of your best lines, but honestly, I think it's time you retire it. We're both forty-five years old." You're too old to continue to pull off the everyone-mistakes-me-for-a-kid-routine dot. You broke the spouse code. June chastised him. You're not supposed to say that. Just like Xander can't tell people I color my hair or that in the winter I only shave my legs once a month. Spouses keep each other secrets and laugh at their jokes no matter how lame or how many times they've heard them. We also lie to each other. Xander tells me my bum is fine whenever I ask does this outfit make my butt look fat? And I tell him his jism is like heaven in my mouth. Again, everyone laughed. Maggie playfully punched her husband in the arm and said, Yeah, you big lug. Be nice. Guys, make yourself useful. Get us all some drinks. June demanded. The couples had drinks and dinner. Afterward, they had each other. It started with strong cocktails, good music, and passionate dancing. They danced with their partners and then, They danced cheek to cheek with the member of the opposite sex who wasn't their spouse. June put on some up-tempo music. The girls turned up the heat. Their bodies moved to the beat of the music. They did a bump and grind on the guys. Their actions brought a smile to the face of the men and made big bulges in their pants. June and Maggie exchanged looks letting the other know they were okay with taking this further. Maggie's sarong had been fashioned into a halter-top dress. Two ends of the single piece of cloth were tied behind her neck. She was facing away from Xander and grinding on his hard-on when she said, Xander, be a dear, and untie the knot on my dress. I need to make an adjustment. Okay. He did as she requested. Was it too tight? He asked holding the material. Instead of answering, she spun away from him. She left him holding the fabric and said, It was too concealing. Xander's eyes bugged out and he stared at the fit, tanned, naked woman. Her husband let loose a loud wolf whistle. June, you know what I mean. Don't you? Maggie said with a laugh. Yes. We are all wearing too many clothes. Let's get comfortable. She fanned her face as if she was hot, and then reached back and unzipped her dress. She let the white dress fall to her feet. She stepped out of it, she unclasped her bra and tossed it to the side. Everyone stared at her tan tits. They were a nice size, but they looked huge because Maggie was so flat chested. Motorboat. Me first. Maggie rushed up to the buxom woman and put her nose between June's tits. She grabbed her boobs, smashed them together, rapidly shook her face between the soft, pillowy breasts, and shouted, Ah! June laughed. The men looked on enviously. Chuck said, I want in on that action. Me too, Xander said. And I see my opportunity. He knelt behind the petite blonde and put his face in her ass. He cupped her butt cheeks, waggled his face, and cried out, Ah. He motorboat her derriere as she motorboat June's boobs. Oh. Maggie cried out in surprise. She abandoned June's tits and pushed her ass into Xander's face. She said, You like my ass? Then eat it. She slid down to her hands and knees. Xander rimmed the woman's brown asshole. Chuck jumped into the vacancy his wife had created. He motorboat June's breasts, then feasted on them, and eventually he fucked them. He spewed cum all over June's laughing face and bountiful breasts. He then ate her fragrant pussy while he waited for a second erection.
0: Oh. Yes. Oh. Yes. June
1: cried as his magic tongue got her off. While that was happening, Maggie had Xander undress. They sixty-nine to mutual orgasms. She swallowed his load. Round two had Chuck taking June from behind. He loved her big, round ass. She loved his long, thick dick. Stand up, Xander. Maggie ordered. He did. Catch! she shouted. She ran to him, jumped, and wrapped her arms and legs around his fit body. She was small and light. Holding her was no problem, especially since she helped support her weight. She had her legs around his waist and her arms around his neck. Fuck me, big boy! she ordered. She reached down, grabbed his dick, and guided it to her weeping vagina. Pound me! she commanded. Pound me, Charles. June echoed. The men followed their orders. Chuck hammered June's ass. Xander slammed his dick into the pixie's tight cunt. She bounced up and down on his cock. Gravity aided their coupling. Xander went in hard, fast, and deep. The room smelled of sex and sweat. It was full of grunts of exertions and groans of pleasure. Pleasure won out. They all cried out loudly and climaxed deliciously. Xander collapsed into a chair after shooting his low deep inside Maggie. Maggie spilled off his lap and joined Charles and June on the floor. After some rest, Maggie said playfully, Bitch, you have something that belongs to me. What? June asked. My husband's sperm. She crawled over, stuck her head between June's legs, and ate her messy vagina. She licked, lapped, and sucked out all her husband's cream and along the way, she gave June her third glorious orgasm that night. The four became great friends. They got together socially often and for great sex five or six times a year. The infrequent trysts were not because of lack of interest, but because of their busy schedules. The demands of work, kids' birthday, family holidays, and other complicating factors interfered. A year and a half after their first orgy June and Maggie were jogging on a path in the woods. They rounded a turn and surprised an animal that was eating his kill. The carnivorous, goat-like creature growled and charged them. The women turned and ran. It had three spiral horns on his head. It drove one into Maggie's leg. Ah. Maggie screamed as she was stabbed. The beast didn't continue the chase. It returned to its meal. When they were a safe distance away and completely out of breath, the women stopped and hugged each other. Are you all right? June asked. Yes, I think so. It nicked me with one of those wicked horns, Maggie said. She pulled out of June's embrace, twisted about, and looked at the calf of her right leg. You're bleeding. Does it hurt? I think the bleeding has stopped. It's only a scratch. It doesn't hurt much. Let's go to the clinic. We'll have a doctor look at it. Maggie said. Look. It's hardly more than a scratch. I'll put a band-aid on it at home. Be sure to wash it thoroughly and put some ointment on it so it doesn't get infected. Yes, Mom. Maggie teased her friend. They went their separate ways. Three days later, Maggie showed up at the clinic. Her calf was black. After a week of extensive testing, Dr. Franklin Monson broke the news to her and Charles. I'm sorry to report that we have not been able to come up with an effective treatment for you. It appears that the animal injected a poison we are unfamiliar with into your body. He gave them a grave look and continued. We do not have an antidote. The poison is slowly spreading throughout your body, killing all tissue. But it doesn't hurt, Maggie said. A small blessing, the doctor said. The poison attacks everything, including your nervous system. Can you stop it? Charles asked. No. We don't know how and even the amputation of the leg is not a viable option. The substance has spread throughout her body. We see traces of it in the heart, lungs, and liver. It will cause those organs to shut down. It is killing those cells just as it has killed the cells in your calf. I'm sorry. Death is imminent. Maggie gulped audibly and asked. How long do I have? It is progressing rapidly. You have a day. Maybe two. He left the room. Charles hugged Maggie. They both cried. He because he was losing her. She because she knew her husband and children would be devastated. That night, June brought flowers to Maggie's hospital room. She set the vase of flowers on a table. Tears streamed down her face. Her friend smiled and in a weak voice said, Don't cry. I'm tired. I'm weak, but I'm not in pain. But you're dying. June said. She rushed to her friend, hugged her, and sobbed. Maggie said, Look after my kids and Chuck. I will. I promise. Back to the present. Charles is June's sex partner at the clinic June and Charles lingered in the kiss. They liked and were sexually attracted to each other. After his wife had died, they remained close. She had Chuck and his kids over for dinner at least once a month. Their family celebrated holidays together. She fucked him twice a month. She had promised Maggie she'd take care of them, and she did with her husband's full blessing dot he kissed her on the lips and slipped her some tongue. She accepted it and Frenched him in return. His hand found her soft, sagging breasts. She grabbed his soft cock and squeezed it. After their lips separated, he said, Thank you, June. For everything you did for Maggie and what you do for me and the kids. She pressed a finger on his lips to silence him and said, Enough with the thank yous. You'll make me cry. We have a job to do. Get me pregnant! Make love to me! He nodded. They reclined on the bed. Chuck closed his eyes and imagined he was with Maggie. He kissed the woman before him. He gently sucked on her breasts and ate her pussy. Oh! Oh! June cried out often. Her pleasure and enthusiasm weren't fake. She sucked his cock until it was as hard as the Rock of Gilbreth. Then he took her. They fucked in a loving manner and both achieve a glorious climax. They lay together in each other's arms. After a nice cuddle, Charles stirred, sat up in bed, and caressed June's face. He said, Thank you. My soul needed that. I hope you get pregnant. She smiled, watched him don his robe, and leave. She used the bathroom. As she washed her hands, she looked into the mirror, chuckled, and said, Well, you always said you wanted to take a holistic approach to patient care. That was above and beyond what was required, but it was necessary. Room hashtag One Betsy's second partner. The door opened. Governor Monroe stepped in, smiled, and said, Hello, Betsy. His voice sounded like a child's. It was thin, high, and squeaky. Hello, Governor. The middle-aged man kept his robe on, came to the bed, and sat beside her. He pushed some stray strands of her brown hair out of her face and said, I'm so glad we get to spend this time together. This isn't a date, Betsy said peeved. She was upset and disappointed because of the way things had gone with Sage. She no longer had illusions that this would be fun, and the skinny, balding, older man didn't appeal to her in the least. Get undressed and let's get on with the mission. She barked out, he chuckled and said. All business, huh? Here I thought this is her first time. We should take it slow. Get acquainted. But I guess like mother, like daughter. Your mother, and I've had sex six. No. Eight times. A delightful, sensuous woman. An expression of displeasure showed on her face. Don't get upset. He patronized her with his squeaky voice. You're an adult now. Surely you know your mother is attractive and has a stunning figure. She's a very nice woman to be partnered with. She has a tight pussy. Her face blushed red as he'd hoped. He leaned over to kiss her. She turned her head and said, No kissing. That's not part of the program. Okay. Let's get down to business. He stood, removed his robe, and tossed it on a chair. His limp dick was nestled in a mass of black pubic hair. He reached down and peeled away the sheet that was covering her. Excellent. You are undressed. My, what a lovely young woman you are. She raised her hands, crossed her arms, and covered her breasts. Now. Now. You've shown that you know the rules. Kissing is not mandatory, but allowing the man to look and touch is. Show me your breasts. Slowly she pulled her hands away. He studied her massive chest and the long, thick nipples. He touched her flesh, rubbed her mounds, and gently tweaked a pink nipple. He said, You are doubly blessed. Lovely, long nipples and great breasts. What size are they? 34 dd. Ah. Impressive. Bigger than your mother. He didn't know for sure. He baited her. She fell for it and answered, Yes. He turned his attention to her groin. He tapped her thigh and said, Please spread your legs for me. She balked. He raised an eyebrow. She gave in and spread her legs. He touched her trimmed, brown bush and noted her pussy was soiled. That's a shame, he said. I'll love to eat your pussy, but not when it's full of sperm. Next time. For sure. Her face was now a bright red. She said, I've been fucked once. I'm ready for round two. Alas, Simon, not. They both glanced at his flaccid unit. Perhaps you could be of assistance. She reached out, grabbed his dick, and pulled on it. Ah, that's a little too rough. Your mother gives me blowjobs. Would you be so kind? All right. She rolled over on her side and took his slender rod into her mouth. While she gave him head, he played with her breasts. Eventually, he got it up. There, Betsy said. She wiped spittle off her lips there it is, he joked. I'm sure you've seen better. Please get on your hands and knees, I'd like to take you from behind. Okay. She crawled to the center of the bed and got into the position he requested. He knelt behind her and caressed her slim ass. My, my, this is a fine sight. You've outdone your mother again. Compared to you, she's a fat, old cow. Don't talk about my mother like that. When she spoke the last word, he drilled her. He drove his short, thin cock into the max. Oh. Fuck. Betsy cried out in shock and surprise. Oh. Yes. The older man exclaimed. Hey. What's the big idea? No warning? Just bam? He stroked in and out of the tight, young thing. He laughed and said, We both know why we're here. How can penetrating you be a surprise? Now let's get you pregnant. He fucked her for his pleasure with long, slow strokes. While he did so, he caressed her ass and pressed his thumb against her asshole. Occasionally, he'd change things up and lean forward and played with her big tits. This went on longer than she expected. She was surprised that her vagina grew wet dot he noticed and teased her saying, Oh, you have a nice pussy. I'm noticing a difference. It's warmer and wetter. Yes, there's less friction. Have you noticed? Are you enjoying our time together? She fumed and said, Stop talking and dump your load. I have another man to bed. You could make me come. Do those things your mother does to get me off. What are you talking about? You act as if my mother and I have discussed and developed a strategy for our common partners. Being prepared is one of the keys to success no matter what the endeavor. Flex your inner muscles, grip my little cock, and moan like you are enjoying yourself. That's how your mother makes me explode. Betsy made a face. She was angry and felt insulted and disrespected, but she wanted this to end as quick as possible. She gave in. Oh, oh. She cooed. She moved her hips like she had done with Hunter. She flexed her belly and pelvic muscles hoping that was what he was asking for. Oh. Nice. Wonderful. He cried. She continued to moan, squeeze her cunt, and push her ass into him. He slammed his thin dick into her. He reached out, grabbed one of her long, Hard nipples and pinched it hard. Really hard. Ouch! She screamed. Her cry of pain was the trigger that got him off. He screamed,
0: Yes. Oh. Oh.
1: He slammed into her and shot his load point ten seconds after his last blast. Betsy pulled away from him. She turned, looked over her shoulder, and said, Get out. Please! He staggered across the room and put on his robe. She hurried to the bathroom. What a bastard! She said under her breath. He cursed her. Bitch. Back in room number two, the second man for June. June exited the bathroom after cleaning her pussy. She pressed the green button and awaited the arrival of her next partner. He too was someone she'd been with in the past. Bennett Wills was a scientist. He was in charge of the water purification and sewage plant. The tall, lean, bald man entered the room. Hi, June. You look as beautiful as ever. You are so full of shit. The nude woman responded teasing him. He removed his robe, hung it on a hook, and said, Yes. I am what I do. My world is shit and piss. My sense of smell is shot, but my vision is unaffected. You are beautiful. They shared a laugh as they did every time they met. They exchanged kisses on the cheek and hugged. What's new with you? He asked as they made their way to the bed on Saturday. Betsy has ovulated. She's next door. Wow. Makes you feel old, doesn't it? I can remember when my kids had their first visit here. You're proud and sad at the same time. My daughter couldn't look me in the eye at dinner that night. Yes. I'm worried about her, but thrilled at the prospect she might have a baby. He looked at her face, caressed a heavy tit, and said, Let's not give up on you. She rubbed his hairless dome and said, You sweet-talking old fool. He nuzzled her breasts. She giggled and toppled over. Bennett lapped at her tits, sucked, and bit her nipples. Ouch! Stop that! She protested anemically. She cradled his head in her arms and didn't allow him to pull away he continued his attack on her boobs. Mmm! He moaned.
0: Oh! Oh!
1: She groaned he sucked more. She giggled, groaned, and sighed deeply as he enjoyed her breasts. After a bit, he slid to the floor, pushed her legs apart, and stuck his face in her pussy. He licked her. He located her clit and sucked her nub. Ben, I'm messy. She protested weakly. He ignored her words and listened to her body. She spread her legs and moved her hips, intensifying their contact. He ate her thoroughly. The cum of the other man didn't ruin his experience.
2: Mmm, mmm.
1: He groaned as he rooted around her pussy. He took his time. When he felt she was on the brink, he stood. His cock was thick and hard. He said. Assume the position. They had had sex a couple of times before. She knew what he liked. She liked it too and was happy to oblige him. She scampered on the bed and got on her hands and knees. He knelt behind her. He rimmed her asshole with his broad, flat tongue. Oh! She groaned he took a minute or two to tongue wash her anus and then, he raised up and pressed his cock to her pussy. He leaned in and drove his dick into her vagina. Oh! They both cried out loving the initial penetration that he thrust into her and slowly drove his cock further and further into her. Ah! he exclaimed. Oh! she sighed. After bottoming out, he stroked in and out of her. She responded and joined him in a leisurely, enjoyable fuck. The pace was slow. Their heart and respiration rates increased, and so did their pleasure. Oh! oh! she moaned. Nice! He groaned that he noticed her breathing was louder. He moved more forcefully and asked, Are you ready to come? Yes. Oh, do it. He picked up the pace and slammed his cock into her. He put his thumb in his mouth, wet it thoroughly, and placed it against her asshole. He teased her and rubbed the crinkled brown flesh. Oh, she cried. Her body trembled in anticipation. Then he plunged his thumb into her dirty passage. Oh, God, she screamed. She came that instant. Her body thrashed about. He felt her pussy pulsate on his dick and he felt her anus clench his thumb. Ah. He screamed as he came and flooded her pussy with his come-back-to-room hashtag. Betsy pushed the bathroom door mostly closed, sat on the toilet, peed, and said, I'm glad to be rid of him. She was distracted and missed seeing that the governor grabbed a knick-knack off the dresser and used it to prop open the door on his way out. In the hall, he tied his robe and then went to the men's waiting room where he found her next partner. He took one step into the room, smiled and said "hello franklin hello governor" dr franklin monson responded he stood and came to him they shook hands "franklin you're in for a treat the daughter is even better than the mother she's younger fitter has bigger boobs and a tighter pussy excellent she also has her mother's bitch attitude but i'd bent her to my will and made our encounter more than a sterile cum dump i have a suggestion for you interested sure She doesn't know we are as thick as thieves. Go in there and badmouth me. That will endear you to her and lead to a better, more enthusiastic fuck. Okay, he answered with a laugh. I propped the door open so you can walk in and surprise her. Catch her off guard. Young, inexperienced, and befuddled. That'll allow me to be in control. Brilliant. Thanks. Let's meet tonight at the big boulder hunting lodge around eight. We'll have a beer and compare stories later. Sounds great, Franklin said. Oh, can we make it 9.30? My ten-year-old is in the school's talent show. My wife will kill me if I miss her performance. Fine. Enjoy yourself. Monroe waved and walked away heading to the shower. The doctor smiled and said, I will. Looks like I'm in for a great time. He exited the waiting area and walked toward Betsy's room. Florence hesitated and then stepped out of the supply closet. It was in the hallway next to the men's waiting area. She had overheard their conversation. She looked both ways and was glad she didn't encounter either man. She brought her hand to her mouth and said, "Oh dear. What should I do?" Betsy's third time. Franklin headed straight toward room number 1. He slipped inside. He pressed the button to turn on the green okay to enter light. Then, he removed the object that the governor had used to hold the door open, put it back in its place, and silently closed the door. Dot he could hear Betsy talking to herself in the bathroom. She was saying, Where does the governor get the right to tell me what my mother's like in bed? And how my body compares with her? What a bastard! She stomped around the room to rid herself of the foul energy that filled her body. Her booted foot clanged noisily. Franklin put on a pleasant face, pushed the bathroom door open, and said, Ah, there you are. Eek. The naked woman screamed and said, What are you doing here? He smiled to reassure her. He took in the view of her young attractive body, but he didn't overtly stare. He didn't want to upset her. He quickly found her eyes and said, The green light was on. I assumed you were ready for me. I didn't push the button, she stammered. She turned away from him. He saw her backside and said to himself, Very nice. Huge tits and a small, tight rear end. A great combination. Out loud, he said. Oh, then how was the door unlocked? I don't know. He paused for a second and then pushed on while she was rattled. I agree with your assessment of the governor. He's a bastard. A real weasel. He even sounds like one with that soprano voice of his. He leaned up against the doorframe and said, It was wrong of him to tell you about encounters with your mother. These meetings are private for a reason. The goal of increasing our population is critical to the survival of our colony. It must have been very uncomfortable for you to hear intimate details about your mother's body and the things she does when having sex? Yes. I found it repulsive. He made me feel dirty. The big, stocky man pointed to the shower stall and said, How about we share a shower? You can wash away the governor's stench, get his fingerprints off your body, and remove all traces of the vile man. He could see she was considering it. He said, I didn't make Monroe the governor. It's my misfortune to work with him just as it was your bad luck to have been partnered with him. I have followed him before in the propagation room, and more often than not, I walk in and discover a woman who's been traumatized or has been severely pissed off by his behavior. Please don't hold anything he said or did against me or other men. He is a grade-A creep. She visibly relaxed. Her hands unclenched. Her arms hung looser at her sides. She smiled and said, I'd like to wash his stink off my body. The doctor stuck out his hand and said, Hello? My name is Franklin. Dr. Franklin Monson. The head doctor here. She shook hands with him, giggled, and said, I'm Betsy. I've heard my mother speak about you. He shucked off his robe and let it drop to the floor. His body was large. He was pretty fit for a man in his fifties. He looked strong. His limp dick hung down between his legs. His balls looked big in their low-hanging sack. She gave him the once-over and then went to the walk-in shower. She stepped in, turned the water on and left the glass door open. She adjusted the water temperature staying away from the spray. The shower was large. There was plenty of room for two, but Franklin held back. He was enjoying the view, but more importantly, he was following his plan. He wanted her to see him as a friend and ally. He let her get comfortable. When the water was right, Betsy stepped into the flow. Ah, she called out. She let the streaming water beat the tension out of her body. Franklin let her enjoy the shower for a few minutes and then he stepped in. He put his large hands on her and massaged her neck and shoulders. Better? he asked. Yes, that he manipulated her muscles while he watched the water flow down her back and sweep across her svelte backside. Her butt was small, smooth, and sleek. Thanks, she said. That feels nice. Give me one of your hands, he said. She turned so her shoulder faced him and tentatively extended her left hand. He grasped it and gave her a great hand massage. Oh, that's nice, she said. She closed her eyes and she leaned into the water. While the water pelted her scalp, he studied her boobs that he manipulated her fingers and said to himself, Damn, she's got a great pair of tits. I've got to get her switched to my patients list. When he finished the massage, he politely requested, Give me your other hand. Her eyes were still closed. She turned to face him and gave him her right hand. The warm water pounded her back. Ah, she cooed. Franklin worked on her hand and stared at her nude body. He thought. I was impressed with her mother's body and her rack. This girl is exponentially hotter. Her boobs are huge and firm. Oh my God! Those nipples are obscene. His dick grew hard. His eyes trailed down her body. He looked at her narrow waist, the slim hips, and her matted pubic hair. He swore he could discern her slit. He smiled and told himself. I will enjoy hitting that. Relaxed? He asked. Yes. May I touch you? Yes. He placed his hands on her shoulders and turned her into the spray. He reached around and grabbed her breasts, hefted, and squeezed them. The water made them slick. He put his front to her back. His erection bounced against her thighs as he fondled her boobs and pulled on her nipples. Oh! She cooed as he played her like a talented musician plays a musical instrument. He was gentle and rough. He teased and delivered. He had fun. She enjoyed his touch. Doing okay? He asked as he juggled her boobs. Hmm. Yes. You're a beautiful woman and these are some great melons. And that's as my professional opinion. He laughed in a kind way. She did too. She said. I appreciate that you are being nice. It's a welcome change. Some men don't get it. He let one hand drop. It ran down her firm stomach, through her patch of brown curly hair to her gash. He located her clit and rubbed it up and down and then side to side. Oh. Oh. She moaned. The water lubricated his finger and he slid about exploring her sex. He played with her labia, dipped a finger into her warm tunnel, and returned to rubbing and pleasuring her hard nub. Oh. Oh. She moaned that he increased the pressure and speed of his fingers. She responded. She groaned louder.
0: Oh. 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 She
1: pressed her body to his. Her hand sought out his erection and she stroked it as he stroked her. Oh. 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 She cried that he leaned her upper half forward, grabbed his dick, and shoved it into her wet pussy. Oh. Fuck. She cried. I needed that. He pushed her against the wall and fucked her from behind. Her big tits flattened against the tiles Dot he drove into her hard and rapidly. Oh. Yes. She called out Dot he was rough, forceful, and domineering in a good way. He pounded her, and they both loved it. Then, he pulled back and took his dick out of her. Oh. Don't take it away. Give it to me. She begged. I will. He snickered and he gave it to her. He aimed for her other hole and slammed it home. Bullseye. The tip of his dick breached her anus and slipped past her sphincter. H. Ah. Uh, that's my ass. She screamed and struggled to get away he pretended not to hear her. The big man held her, controlled her, and drove his bone into the virgin territory. Stop. Ouch. Stop. What's the matter? He asked when he had half his cock inside her but He pulled back a smidge and slid more of it in. She squirmed, thrashed about and tried to get away, but the strong man had her pinned against the wall. She started to sob and said, You're hurting me. He stroked in and out of her ass ignoring her tears. And then, suddenly, he pretended to notice his dick was in her butt. Oh, God! I'm in the wrong hole. It is so slippery down there with the water and your juices. My cock accidentally slipped into your bum. He pushed all of his cock inside her butt and said, God! It's tight. I like it. She didn't answer. She was sobbing. He fucked her bum for a while and then asked. How about you? Do you enjoy having my dick in your ass? Please stop. She begged he smiled, pulled out, and put his dick back into her pussy. There. Is that better? Ah, she grunted. She was relieved his dick was out of her ass. Sorry accidents happen. I seem to recall the same thing happened to your mother. She screamed like a banshee when I drilled her in the ass. What? She screamed. His remarks set her off. She began to squirm and tried to get away from him. Franklin grabbed her hip bones. He held her steady. He laughed as he rapidly drove his penis in and out of her. He fucked the fight out of her. She grew tired, felt helpless, and submitted. She gave up and let the bigger, stronger man have his way with her. Eventually, he climaxed.
0: Oh. Oh. He cried out.
1: He continued to thrust into her in rhythm with his sperm spewing out of his cock. When he was spent, his heavy body sagged against her trapping her. His cock grew soft and slipped from her body. When he was finished enjoying his orgasm, he grabbed a bar of soap and cleaned his cock. He rinsed and got out of the shower. He hummed a happy tune as he dried himself. He tossed the towel on the floor, put on his robe, and left. Betsy slid down the wall. She sat on the shower floor and cried. The water beat down on her. Dot back to room hashtag 2. Dot June's third guy After her climax with Bennett, June was slow getting to her next partner. She cleaned up, hit the green button, and lay on the bed to rest. She dozed off and woke to find a young soldier standing just inside the door admiring her naked body. Oh. Hello? She said. Sorry. I fell asleep. I get sleepy after I have sex. You've had sex twice. No wonder you took a nap. June sat up on the edge of the bed. She said, Hello, Dylan. How are you? The short, stocky, twenty-year-old shuffled nervously in the room. He answered, Fine. She smiled at him and said, There's no reason to be nervous. Even though this is our first time together. She stood and came to him. He stared at her bouncing, jiggling breasts he blushed and said, This is my first time at one of these sessions. Oh, but you're twenty. Usually participation begins at 18 for males. I declined the earlier invites. The governor and Dr. Monson allowed me to skip my sessions. They took my place. I wasn't ready, but now I am. She went behind him and helped him remove his robe. I'm sure they were only too happy to sub in, she said with a smirk on her face that he couldn't see. She smiled as she slid in front of him and said, Welcome, newbie. Please call me June. Today, I'm not your nurse or your mother's friend. I'm your procreation partner. Yes, ma'am. I mean. Yes, June. She laughed kindly. He looked at her body. She looked at his naked form. He had an erection. She said, Wow. How did I miss that at your last examination? Your cock is huge. It's only big when it's engorged. Some of the girls my age think it's too big. They complain their jaws ache when they give me a blowjob and they worry it'll stretch them too much if we have sex. She dropped to her knees to get a better look at his equipment. She said, I can understand their concerns. She wrapped her hand around his thick member. It's very big. She decided to find out for herself. She took his cock into her mouth. He was more than a mouthful. Mmm. She squealed surprised by his impressive girth. Oh. He moaned. She stuck with it, bobbed, and sucked. She pulled off, wiggled her jawbone, and said, That's some dick. A girl could dislocate her jaw trying to swallow that. She stood up and said, I hope you are very careful with that. She tapped his dick as she spoke. Yes. That's why I delayed my entry into this program. Mom has explained that I need to take my time and make sure my partner is ready. And she says no woman will ever be wet enough for me. I should always use lube. That's good of her to go into that much detail. Many parents just cover the basics. I got the birds and the bees story at 13. When I was 18, she caught me having sex or trying to have sex. The young woman was crying as she attempted to slide down my dick. Mom saw my erection and we had a more detailed discussion. That must have been embarrassing for all concerned, but necessary. Next time I see your mother, I'll thank her on behalf of all women. He nodded, she said. Anything in particular you want to do before we have intercourse? Can I suck on your breasts? Sure. She took him by the hand and led him to the bed. They lay together. She grabbed a boob and offered him the nipple. He latched on and sucked. He sucked and fondled her ample tits. He took his time and caressed her soft body. She enjoyed his efforts that he sat up and asked, Please masturbate. She reached out and began stroking his giant cock. He put his hand on hers and stopped it. He said, You misheard me. I want you to masturbate. Oh, I haven't done that in years. Decades, actually. Well. Okay. How do you want me? He grabbed a pillow and put it against the headboard. Sit up and lean on that. Bring up your knees, spread your legs, and play with your pussy. Oh. Okay. She did as he requested. He sat on the bed where he had a good view of everything. She licked a finger and tentatively brought it to her sex. Her face blushed red as she rubbed up and down her slit. She rubbed her labia and then her clit. She looked at him. He was staring at her hand. She asked? Like this? Yes. That's good. She masturbated. Her heart rate increased, her breathing became ragged, and the smell of her arousal filled the room. Her pussy got wetter and more slippery. I, in spite of her earlier concerns, she found that she was enjoying it. She moaned. Oh. Oh. As she played with herself. Oh. This feels good. It's been a long, long time since the finger in my pussy was my own. She said and laughed out he had a look of concentration on his face. He sat and stared. He didn't touch his dick. He just watched her masturbate, she asked. Do you like seeing me touch myself? Yes. It's so naughty. Yes. Fist yourself, please, Dylan said. What? He stood, went to the nightstand, opened the drawer, and got out the lube. Put your hand or as much of it as you can in your vagina. Stick your hand out, and I'll give you some lube. She did. He did. Does this excite you? She asked as she folded her finger together and pressed them into her sex. Not really. June pulled her hand away and asked. Then why did you ask me to do it? Can I be frank? Doctor slash patient confidential Frank? Yes. I won't tell anyone. I can't tell when a woman is ready. Not by how loud she moans or how wet her pussy appears. My mother and I have experimented and developed this system through trial and error. You've had sex with your mother? Yes. Not hot, lusty sex, but learning how not to destroy my partner's vagina sex. A shiver went down her spine. June said. I see. What we discovered is the woman should masturbate until I hear squishy vagina sounds or she comes. That means she's adequately lubricated, not for my dick, but for the next step. Then I have her fist herself. If she can do that, I can fit inside her. Why don't you take it slow and feed her a little of your dick at a time? That hasn't worked. I've hurt too many partners. I don't get enough feedback to know how fast is too fast or how much is too much. The women are distracted, scared, in pain, or in awe, and they don't communicate well with me. Your brain gets immediate feedback on everything you do. When you stick your hand in your pussy, your brain tells you exactly how to do it. When to pause. When to take a calming breath. You get the angle and speed right. Try it. Okay. She folded her hand. After much work and many attempts, she inserted it into her vagina. You're right. If something as big as my hand was about to penetrate me, I'd be scared to death. But since it's my hand, I know how fast to go, when to take a break, when to take a deep breath, and when to will my body to relax. She twisted her hand about and said, Hey, look. My hand is inside me. They both looked down and saw her wrist. Her hand and fingers were out of sight. This is the sure test. When my mother and the other women can shove a hand into their pussies, they are ready for me. Shall we give it a go? Okay. June thrust her hand inside herself a few times. Oh. Mmm. This does stretch a girl good. Oh. She lay on her back. Dillian knelt between her legs, placed the head of his massive cock at her opening, and drove it forward slowly. Oh. Oh. Wow. She exclaimed. She wiggled her bottom to accommodate his monster cock and then said, Okay. I'm ready. Give me more. He drove into her slowly and carefully. They both watched it, bit by bit, slowly sink into her. Oh. That's a big dick. She exclaimed more than once. Two minutes later, he was still working it into her. She moaned, That's a good dick. She groaned more as he carefully bottomed out. There, he announced. You've taken all of me. Thank God, you're my last partner. You've ruined me for anyone else. Sweat was dripping off her brow. She was breathing heavily as he pulled out and thrust back it. He did it slowly and carefully. He tripped all her pleasure sensors. Oh, I've never been stretched this much or felt so full. He reamed her. Wow, guys have pleased me. Many have hit me in a good spot. You hit all the spots. I feel you everywhere. Top. Bottom. Left and right. Ah. Keep doing what you're doing. Dillian fucked her. He was able to go faster as she got wetter, acclimated to his size, and became more aroused. She exclaimed. You're like a machine. You're bulldozing my pussy. Nothing can stop you. You fill me. Stretch me. Complete me. Five wonderful minutes passed. They both were into it. They were sweating. Sighing with pleasure, and breathing loudly through their mouths. Their hearts raced. Oh! 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 She hollered as she came on his dick. Her body felt like it was on fire. Her insides convulsed. Her consciousness was carried away on waves of pleasure dot he saw her come and climax too. His thick cum filled her belly. He collapsed on her. They were lost in pleasure. Many minutes passed. Then she grabbed his face and kissed him on his lips. Moi. I've orgasmed before, but that, that was special. I'm sending your mother a thank you note. She did a hard thing having sex with you, but a dick your size requires training. She's made you a lover all women will want. She kissed him hard on the lips. When the kiss broke, she asked. Can I see you again? Yes. Soon? No. She answered her own question. She explained. I imagine I'm going to need some time to recover from this. He smiled at her and said. You're welcome in my bed anytime. They lay together a little longer. He played with her big soft tits. She played with his soft cock and marveled at the pleasure it had brought her. Join me in the shower, big boy. Sure. They got out of bed and hopped in the shower. They washed each other and enjoyed groping, touching, fondling, and cleaning each other. He got hard. She got on her knees and said, I'm not sending you home like that. My pussy is too sore, but I'd be glad to blow you. Great. She struggled to get him in her mouth. She could only handle an inch or two. That's all my jaw will allow, she said and giggled. She persevered. It was more a hand job than a blowjob, but she got him off. Oh, oh, he cried. She pulled off and took it on the face. She laughed as he blasted his cum on her. Oh, what a morning, she exclaimed. I may not have gotten pregnant, but it's not for want of trying. She washed his spunk off her. They got out of the shower and dried off. He donned his robe and left after they shared another deep kiss. June dressed and went to the lobby. It was a little before noon. She expected to find her daughter. In her mind, she was running through a list of places they could go to lunch. She didn't see her. She asked the receptionist. Florence, have you seen my daughter? No. She hasn't come out. Her last partner left twenty minutes ago. I'll help you find her. I need to get out from behind this desk and stretch my legs. Flo answered with a smile. The two women walked down the hall. They came to room number two. June knocked. They waited. There was no response. She tried the door. It was locked. June asked. Do you have the key? Yes. Florence got out her master key and unlocked the door. They looked inside and didn't see her. June said. I hear the shower running. She called out. Betsy? Mom? Both women entered the room. June was in the lead. She opened the door to the bathroom, and the women saw Betsy naked. She had collapsed in a heap on the shower floor. The teenager's head was down. Her shoulders were slumped and quaking. She was sobbing. June rushed to her daughter. The sight filled Florence with sadness. She suspected that some man had mistreated the young woman. She backed out of the room and gave the mother and daughter some privacy. June turned off the shower. She knelt beside her baby and asked, Betsy, what's the matter? They hurt me. Who? The governor and Dr. Monson. What did they do? They abused me. Monroe pinched my nipple so hard I thought he was going to rip it off. I screamed bloody murder. Dr. Monson pretended to be my friend. Then, he turned on me and raped me in the ass. The young woman burst into tears. June was fuming. She scanned her daughter's body and saw a deep purple bruise on one nipple. She looked at her bum and saw nothing. She touched her anus with a finger. Betsy flinched and hollered. Ouch. I'm sore there. Honey, I need to check your butt. June licked her right index finger and inserted it into her daughter's anus. Ouch. 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 Betsy cried. Sorry, baby, June said. She shoved it all the way in and felt around. When she pulled her finger out, she said, I see some blood on my finger but not enough to worry me. I didn't detect any tearing or damage to your colon. Her face took on a hard look. Her blood boiled. She said, Those sons of bitches! They'll pay. They will pay. Her girl stopped crying. She looked at her mom and asked, Why aren't all mankind, like Hunter? The world would be a better place if that were the case. Betsy asked, Was it my fault? Were my expectations too high? After my time with Hunter... I expected sex to be nice. Sage was my first partner today. He explained that this wasn't a date. This was an obligation. That the goal was to get me pregnant, not to please me. He didn't pleasure me. He didn't even try. She looked up at her mother with innocent, doe-like eyes and said. Hunter looked out for me. He made sure that mentally and physically I was ready for penetration. Sage just thrust into me. I wasn't wet enough. It hurt. He told me it was my responsibility to prepare my body for intercourse. Her mother nodded signaling that she was listening. Betsy continued. The governor was a creep. He kept telling me about the times he'd had sex with you, what you do in bed, and how our bodies compare. It was icky. I did things I didn't want to do to make him come quickly so I could tell him to get out. He pinched my nipple really hard. I think he got off on causing me pain. Dr. Monson started out acting kind and being considerate. Betsy said. She hugged her mother tight and then she pulled back, looked her in her eyes and said, He actually was a good lover. He was a little rough and pounded my pussy. In a good way. Then he pulled his dick out of my vagina and shoved it into my ass. I screamed. He said it was an accident, but he kept it there and fucked my butt while I cried. I'm so sorry, June said. Take me home, Betsy said softly. She repeated her words sounding more desperate. Mom, take me home. Okay. June helped Betsy stand. She dried her off and helped her dress. As they walked through the lobby to exit the building, Florence called out. Betsy, I'm so sorry the men were mean to you. June, can I speak to you? Alone. June settled her daughter in a chair and the two adults walked off to have a private conversation. Flo said, I'm so sorry your daughter has been hurt. It's my fault. She burst into tears. What do you mean? After the governor was with Betsy, he went to the men's waiting room and said some things to Dr. Monson. I was nearby. They didn't know I was there. I heard everything. June nodded. The governor spoke. She paused as if searching for the right words. Ah, he spoke disrespectfully of you and your daughter, he said. I bent her to my will. Dot, the bastard. June spat the words out. He described his relationship with Dr. Monson as thick as thieves and gave the doctor some suggestions. He said the doctor should badmouth him to win your daughter over because that would lead to a more enthusiastic fuck-dot. Florence's face turned red. Her hand shot up and covered her mouth, she added. Pardon the vulgar language, but those were the governor's words. I understand. Please continue. Dr. Monson was glad to receive his advice. They made a date to meet at 9.30 tonight at the big boulder hunting lodge to trade stories of their sexual experiences with Betsy. Florence, you heard the men conspiring. You are hardly responsible for their actions. The news that Monroe and Monson are inconsiderate bastards, out to maximize their pleasure even at the expense of others, is not news. They've misbehaved with me. I should have warned Betsy about them. Both women had distressed looks on their faces. June said, Thanks for telling me. I've got to get Betsy home. She gathered up her daughter. They got into her vehicle. On the drive home, June said. Baby, I'm going to fix this. This will never happen again. I will make those bastards pay. Good. Betsy answered indignantly. You can't tell your father or brother what happened. Why not? They would kill Monroe and Monson. Good. They deserve it. Yes, but your brother and father will be so filled with angry they will march right up to them and kill them. They won't care if a hundred people see them do it. They'll be caught and sent to jail for the rest of their lives. I don't want that. That's why you have to let me handle it. Okay, Mom. A minute later, June pressed her calm button and said, Charles. He responded quickly. Yes, June. Can you join Betsy and me for lunch at my house? Sure. I had a hectic morning. I deserve a good meal with two beautiful women. See you in fifteen minutes. Great. June pulled into the driveway of their house and parked. She got out of the car and helped her daughter into their home, Betsy said. Mom, I'm not hungry. I'm going to take bath and maybe a nap. Okay. If you change your mind, join us. Betsy went into the bathroom, filled the tub, tossed in some bath salts, undressed, and slid into the warm water. June made soup and sandwiches. As she was cutting the crust off the sandwiches, the doorbell rang. She answered it. It was Charles. Hello, he said when she opened the door. Hi. Come in. She gave him a peck on the cheek and said, Betsy's resting. It'll just be the two of us. They sat down at the kitchen table, ate lunch, and talked about mundane things. When they were done, June asked, Charles, I know that part of your job is to maintain and repair the electronic bands that everyone wears. You took mine off once to work on it. Can you remove it and have it continue to send out the normal? basic data it transmits when attached to me? Yes. He answered warily. Why are you asking? She looked at him earnestly and said, The less you know the better. Let's just say I want to be off the grid for a while. June, it sounds like you're in trouble. She bit her lip, thought for a moment and said, I'm trying to protect you. Xander doesn't even know about this. What kind of clandestine mission are you running and why? I hope you know you can trust me to keep a secret." I'm going to kill Governor Monroe and Dr. Monson. What? Why? They did terrible things to Betsy at the clinic under the guise of the propagation program. Come with me, she said. She led him down the hall to her daughter's room. She knocked and called out. Betsy, I have Charles with me. Oh, give me a sec. Ten seconds passed and Betsy hollered. Okay. I'm decent. You can come in. June opened the door. She and Charles saw her tying the belt on her white, combed cotton bathrobe. June said, Betsy, I'm putting together a plan to make your abusers pay. I'm asking Charles to help. If he's going to be involved, he deserves to know why. Tell him what happened today. Betsy teared up and sat on her bed. She looked at both adults and then looked down at the floor. She spoke slowly in a monotone and told her story. Charles and June were silent as she described the pain she endured and the fear and humiliation she felt. When her tale was done, June said, Betsy, show him your nipple. Charles said, That's not necessary. Let's not embarrass the girl. Yes, it is, June said. Hearing of her ordeal is one thing. Seeing her injury will take your understanding to another level. Betsy stood up and said, I just told you I was sodomized. Nothing could be more embarrassing. She stood, untied her robe, and exposed her boob and its damaged nipple. She said, They say a picture is worth a thousand words. Oh my god, Charles said. He stared. His eyes locked on her purple flesh. Then, his face showed a look of recognition and horror. I've seen that injury before. On my daughter. This happened to Penelope? June asked. Charles brought his hand to his forehead and ran it through his thick hair. He turned around and took a few steps. He said, I came home one night, walked through an empty house, and into my master bathroom. Penelope and Maggie were in there. Penny was topless and Maggie was applying some ointment to her nipple. Her nipple looked exactly like yours. Had she been with Governor Monroe? Betsy asked. Charles turned and faced the women. He said, I don't know. She'd ovulated and had gone to the clinic. It's hard enough knowing my wife or daughter is going to be forced to have sex. I prefer not knowing who their partners are. I asked her what happened. She said she had been wearing nipple clamps, the chain got tangled, and this was the results. Now I wonder. June hit her comm button and said, Penelope. Five seconds later, they all heard a response. Yes, Mrs. Young. June held up her hand, signaling the others to be quiet. She said, Sorry to bother you, but Betsy was paired with Governor Monroe at the clinic today. He heard her. He pinched her nipple hard. Oh, no! He did the same thing to me and to some of my friends. He likes to hurt women and he abuses the young ones because he can get away with it. I thought so, June said. I'm sorry that happened to Betsy. I hope she gets better soon. My nipple turned a deep purple color and was sore for weeks. Thanks for sharing. I've got to run. Bye. Goodbye. June turned to Charles and asked. Will you help me put an end to this? Yes. Charles responded. Thank you. June said. Betsy, get some rest. Charles and I have to talk. She exited the room. Charles followed. He shut the bedroom door as he left. June went into the family room and sat on the sofa. Charles sat beside her. She fumed and said, I'm going to kill them tonight. I've got access to a drug that will incapacitate them. Monroe and Monson are meeting at a remote location to discuss what a great fuck my daughter was. I know where. A friend overheard them. She balled her hands up into fists and said, I need you to make it look like I was here all night. He leaned over and put his large hands over her small ones and said, I feel your pain. I'm mad as hell too. Monroe hurt your daughter, my daughter, and unfortunately, probably countless others. I can activate the cloaking feature on our wristbands. It will disable the tracking feature on the bands so no one will know we ever left your house. Our bands will send out false data on all the rest of the things that are monitored so no alarms will be raised by things like elevated heart rates or high levels of adrenaline in our bloodstreams. Good. That's what I need, but I'm not asking you to come with me. They are two grown men and even though Monroe is a skinny punk, he still outweighs you. How do you plan to subdue them? How will you get close enough to drug them? I hadn't figured that out yet. I have. You said the bastards are getting together to discuss their sexual encounter with Betsy? She nodded. He said. I can crash their party without raising suspicions. I'll portray myself as a fellow pervert. I'll say I want to hear their stories and share details of my romp with you. I know guys like this. They like nothing better than lewd locker room talk and I'm giving them the chance to expand the topic to body mother-daughter smut. Are you planning to just show up at their door? Sure. How are you going to explain being there? I'll lie and say I overheard them setting up this meeting. Okay. I admit I could use your help. But I have to be there. I want to make them pay. Deal. Charles looked at the clock on his wristband and said, It's one o'clock. Let's meet here at eight. I'll put our band in cloak mode. Then we'll go to the lodge before they do hide, and when they are together, we will make them pay. That gives us time to gather what we need. I'll be ready. I'll go get the drug. Later that afternoon, Charles called his daughter and said, Penny, can you find your own dinner? I'll be out late. I'm meeting June. No problem, she replied. She smiled and said, I'm happy you have Mrs. Young in your life. She's great. At dinner, June announced to Gunther, Betsy, and Xander, I'm going to be out with Charles tonight. Anyone need anything before I go? Universally, they answered. No. They were used to her spending time with Charles. They understood the two were lovers and everyone was okay with IT. At 8 o'clock, the doorbell rang. Betsy opened the door and said, Hi, Charles. Mom will be down in a second. She leaned in to kiss his cheek. She lingered and whispered, Thanks for helping. I won't feel safe until those bastards are dealt with. She pulled back and played hostess. Can I get you anything? A drink? No. I'm fine. June came down wearing a pretty dress and heels. She smiled, playing her part in the charade, and said, Hello, Charles. She turned and announced to the house, Bye. We're off. They left. Betsy closed the door. The pair ducked into the garage. Charles put their wristbands into cloak mode. June quickly changed into dark pants, boots, and a black top. She stashed her party clothes in a cabinet in the garage and removed a knapsack she'd secreted there that afternoon. Charles retrieved a change of clothing from his car and also put on a dark outfit. He tossed his knife, going on a date clothes onto the back seat of his car. Ready? Charles asked. Yes. The two vigilantes got in the car and drove away point nine colon, ten p.m. that night. Charles went to the front door of the lodge. He put an item on the ground, knocked on the door, and then retrieved the item. He put both hands behind his back concealing what he had in his hands. Monroe opened the door and said, Hey Chuck, this is a surprise. What brings you up here? I heard you and Franklin were meeting here to share information about how hot Betsy Young is. Did someone mention my name? Dr. Monson said and stepped into view. He had a beer in his hand. He said, Hello, Charles. What's this talk about sharing? Charles smiled and said, Invite me in. I'll share details about my romp with June Young in exchange for specifics on sex with her daughter. The governor said dismissively, That information is of little value. "'Franklin and I have had sex with the mother many times,' Chuck said pleasantly. "'Will this earn me admission?' He brought one hand forward and revealed a little brown jug. He said, "'I'll share my homemade mash. My moonshine packs more of a kick than your basement-brewed beer.' "'Sold!' Franklin said. "'Wait,' Monroe said. "'How is it that you knew we'd be here? I was at the clinic this morning and had sex with June. I left something behind.' Florence found my papers and gave them to me when I returned. She asked me to get something for her from the supply closet. It's in the hall near the men's waiting room. I overheard the two of you setting up this meeting. I confess that all day long I've been thinking about Betsy. I've been wondering about her body and how she is in the sack. He shrugged his shoulders and said, I admit it. I'm a dirty old man who has a thing for busted teenagers. I was hoping my whiskey would gain me admittance. Monroe have him a hard look and then, a big smile broke out his face. He stepped aside and said, From one dirty old man to another, come in. You and your whiskey are welcome. Yes, Dr. Monson said. Come in, join us, and open that bottle. This beer is shit. Chuck handed Franklin the jug and brought his other hand forward. They heard glasses clinking and saw a brown knapsack. Chuck reached into the bag and pulled out three tulip-shaped glasses. He said, Smell plays an important part in our enjoyment of the things we eat and drink. Plain tumblers with their straight walls allow the aroma of the whiskey to escape. The walls of these glasses tilt inward. They concentrate the aroma, direct it to your nose, and enhance the experience, Monroe said. Set up the glasses. Franklin, pour us around and let's see if your hooch is any good. Charles went to the table. He set the three glasses down. They all sat down. One of the glasses had Charles's name on it, written using a gold glitter marker and lots of curls and flourishes. The other two were blank. As the doctor poured a good amount into each glass, the governor teased and said, What's this, Chuck? Your own special glass? He shrugged. Cute. Real manly. Monroe said. He pushed it in his direction. The men picked up a glasses. Franklin said, I have a toast. Here's to panties. Not the best thing in the world but damn close to it. The other men laughed, shouted, Panties! And drank a healthy slug, Chuck said. I have a toast for you. To nipples. Without them, tits wouldn't have a point. The men raised their glasses, clinked them together, and shouted, To nipples. They downed their drinks and slammed the empty glasses on the table. Monroe reached for the jug and almost knocked it over. Oops. He said, Chuck caught it and settled it on the table and said, Careful, we don't want to waste a drop. I distilled it myself. Monroe and Monson shifted and swayed in their seats. Charles said, Guys, are you okay? You don't look so good. Oh, maybe it's because you've been drugged. The confused men looked at the jug. Charles said, I see you eyeing the jug. No, the drug wasn't in my whiskey. Otherwise, I too would feel the effect. My good friend, June Young, you know her. You abused her daughter today? She coated the plain glasses with the drug to make you bastards helpless. My fancy glass only has glitter. He grinned wickedly. Both men looked at him with wide eyes. Franklin stood and tried to run away. He knocked over his chair and fell to the floor. Monroe rose. Took a step. His body swayed. He almost fell. He grabbed the table to regain his balance. Gentlemen, this is a good demonstration of the effect of the drug. It is interfering with your brain's ability to control your musculoskeletal system. It doesn't affect all systems or all muscles, for example, your ability to breathe is not affected, but movement, that's going to be a problem. You want to run, but you can't. Your body is not in sync. The muscles are not moving in harmony with each other. That will prevent you from running or fighting me. Chuck stood and pushed the governor. He toppled over and hit the floor with a loud thud. The human body is a beautiful machine. We take some much for granted and don't realize how complicated the simple things we do every day are, such as walking. Charles knelt and examined the governor's wristband. Then, he went to Dr. Monson and did the same. Next, he went to the front door, opened it, and called out, June, please join us. June came out of her hiding place and entered the lodge. She placed the knapsack she was carrying on the floor, Charles said to her. As I suspected, their devices are in cloaking mode. The Muckety Mucks have the ability to activate the cloaking feature at any time. They do so whenever they want some privacy. June nodded at him. She smiled, seeing the men, her targets, laying on the floor. She said, I see the drug has done its job. Dr. Monson, you may have guessed. The drug is one the med lab has been experimenting with alpha cyclodechloroamine. For your benefit, Governor, I can tell you the effect of the drug is only temporary and it doesn't interfere with other brain activities or your senses. You see, hear, think, and feel pain or pleasure as you normally do. You just have trouble making your body move as you wish. Waha. Waha. Monroe struggled to speak. Governor. June said. Speech involves muscles and breath control. You have lost that capability for the time being, but I think I know what you want to ask what do we want, and why are we doing this, Dot." She went over to him and kicked him in the stomach. Agh! The man screamed as he felt her boot and had the wind knocked out of him. Chuck grabbed a chair, placed it so he could see both men, and sat down. He was quiet. This was June's show. June walked over to Monson and kicked him in the face. Ah! He screamed in pain. He flopped about on the floor and managed to turn away from her. She kicked him forcefully between his shoulder blades. Ah! He cried out a second time. June ambled away and said, This is all about revenge. This is payback time for all the women you have wronged, Monroe, today you abused my Betsy. She kicked him in the thigh. Ow. He hollered. You, Monson, rape the ass of my sweet, innocent child. She kicked him in the butt. Oh. He grunted. The men squirmed and made unintelligible noises. Chuck got up, he grabbed them by the front of their shirts, lifted them off the floor, and then punched them in the face. A trickle of blood flowed from Franklin's broken nose. Both men cried out in fear and pain. Charles knelt and stripped the men. They lay naked and cowering on the floor. June said, You have abused and humiliated women, now you will be abused and humiliated. Charles grabbed Monroe's feet and dragged him across the lodge until he was laying beside Franklin. He maneuvered the men until they lay on their sides and the head of each man lined up with the groin of the other. Suck each other's cock. Charles ordered in a thunderous voice. The men hesitated. Charles kicked the governor in the back hard. He cried out and writhed in pain. He went around and got behind Franklin. He pressed the tip of his boot against the man's back and asked, Do you need more motivation? Franklin stared up at him with wide, scared eyes. Then he turned, opened his mouth, and tried to wrap his lips around Monroe's shriveled dick. He didn't have the coordination necessary to complete the task. That's better, Chuck said. He guided Monson's head into position. The governor's cock slipped into the doctor's mouth. June took a statue of a horse off the fireplace mantle. She showed it to Monroe and said, Suck his cock or I'll shove this up your ass. Fear showed in his eyes. He tried to put his face in the other man's groin. Chuck helped him make the connection. He pushed his head into the other man's crotch. They tried to blow the other man, but due to the drug and their level of fear, they did not do a good job. June laughed at them and said, Come on, boys, you can do better than that. We all know this isn't the first time you've had a cock in your mouth. Charles laughed and knelt down behind Monroe. He grabbed his head and made it move back and forth on the doctor's cock. Then he reached out, grabbed Monson's head, and assisted him in giving the governor a blowjob. Both he and June laughed at the scared, naked men. Let's get this party started. June yelled. Charles pulled the men apart and turned them so they could see June. She went to her knapsack and grabbed a tube of silicone lube, a box of gloves, and a large dildo. She waved the dildo about and said, Doc, you love sticking things up the butts of others. I think it's time you have a chance to experience it yourself. She looked at Monroe's half-hard dick and said, That's a sorry excuse for an erection. You can do better. She took off her top and bra and shook her tits. I know you like these. Get hard. She hit him and then rolled him over making him lie on his back. He looked wide-eyed at the crazy, topless women. He watched her boobs bounce and they looked into her angry eyes. She left him and went to her supplies. She put on a pair of gloves and squeezed some of the lube on her hand. She went back to the governor, grabbed his dick, and stroked it. As she did, she put her face in his face. She was eyeball to eyeball with him. She stroked him and said, You slimeball. You piece of shit. How does it feel to be forced to have sex? I see you're scared but somehow your little prick is getting firmer. Aren't you afraid of what I might do to you when you have an erection? You should be. June turned her head and said, Charles, take Dr. I Love Anal out on the porch. Put against the rock wall. I want him sprawled over it. Head down, ass up, and spread his legs wide. And then, come get the government. Charles turned on the outside lights. The lodge had been built on a large slab of rock, a big boulder, that overlooked a lush valley. A three foot tall stone wall had been erected to keep people on the back porch from falling off this cliff. The short wall had been deemed high enough because only adult men, usually hunters, used the cabin. Chuck picked up the helpless doctor and dragged him outside. He made him bend over and put his stomach on top of the wall. Charles kicked his feet out, spread his legs, and then ordered him Don't fall, you son of a bitch! Charles went inside and got the governor. He dragged him outside. The stone floor scraped pieces of skin off his body. Monroe whimpered in pain. June followed them out and said, Franklin, you're lucky I'm a good Christian woman. I going to do something you didn't do for my daughter. I'm going to put lube in your ass before the guv fucks it. She spread his butt cheeks with one hand and forcefully penetrated him with two lubed fingers. Ah, the man screamed. Oh, she said innocently. Did I catch you by surprise? Too much? Too quick? Sorry. She drove her fingers into the hilt. Aw oh, well. Franklin screamed. She thrust again so vigorously it looked like she was trying to shove her whole hand up his ass. She released a deep breath and pulled her fingers out of the weeping man. She said, Charles, get the governor over here. It's time for his cock to meet Franklin's butt. Charles grinned and picked up Monroe. He guided the unwilling and unsteady man over to Monson. He shoved them together. Monroe fell and was draped across the other man's. June knelt and grabbed Monroe's cock. She stroked it, sneered, and said, Still hard. Gov, there's one thing the ladies all know. You aren't well endowed, but you do get a nice, firm erection. Charles, grab his hips. I'll line this little pecker up. She guided Monroe's dick to Monson's asshole and then said, Okay. We are on target. Push. Charles had hold of the governor's hips. He shoved them forward. June had hold of his cock. She kept it aligned and she pushed it home. Ah, Franklin screamed. For the first time in his life, he was on the receiving end of anal sex. Mission accomplished, June announced. She stood and watched Charles make Monroe fuck Monson. She clapped and cheered. The participants were red-faced and embarrassed. Franklin moaned in pain. June walked about to get the best views of each participant's face. Twice, the governor's dick popped out. She graciously reinserted it. While down there, she tapped the doctor's cock and said, Charles, I'd say our doctor is enjoying being but fucked. He's got a big, old erection. Hard enough to cut glass. She stood, laughed, and said, I was going to say this was enough. That we ought to stop. But both men are rock hard. They must be enjoying this so keep going. She and Charles laughed. Chuck continued to make the men fuck. A few minutes passed and then, Monroe's eyes bugged out and he groaned in a different manner. He thrashed about and tried to get away. Charles maintained control and shoved him up tight against the other man. The doctor, who had been passive having accepted his fate, now moaned and fought to escape. Charles had no problem pinning both men to the wall and each other. June came over to Monroe. Her sensitive nose picked up the odor of cum. She smiled and asked, What's the matter, Gov? Did you have too much fun? Did you just drop a big load in the doctor's butt? She laughed derisively. Pull them apart, Charles. Let's check. Charles pulled the men apart. He let Monroe fall to the floor. He landed on his butt. June and Charles looked at his groin and saw that his erection was gone, and that cum stained his crotch. Ha! June shouted. Looky. Looky. The governor orgasmed. It's official he's a but loving cowba. Chuck laughed and said. So's Franklin. He enjoyed being the gov's catcher so much so that he jizzed all over the wall oh, let me see, June said. Chuck pulled Monson off the wall. He fell flat on his back. June looked at his dick and said, the erection's gone. All eyes went to the rock wall. Cum was dripping off it. Oh, my God, June teased him. Look at that blast. It's official. Franklin likes dick. He loves a big, hard cock in his keister. She and Chuck laughed. They continued for another few minutes to berated the men for climaxing while having anal sex. The men were unable to respond, fight back, or escape. June went over to Dr. Monson, she stroked his flaccid cock, and said, It's dead. I don't think he can get it up again. Not even my magic tits can do the job. I guess I'll put my top back on. Don't be hasty, Charles said. These faggots may no longer like your breasts, but I do. I think being topless makes you a sexy powerful dominatrix. Thanks, she said, and she flashed him a smile. But I have a problem. I wanted Franklin to shot his wad in the governor's bum. You know, DNA evidence of their gay tryst. Chuck went to her stash and grabbed the dildo. Then he went to the wall and smeared cum on it. He held it out and said, I think you should do the honors and take the governor's virginity. She took the large, purple dildo. She squeezed some of the lube on it and said, You are lucky that I want this to look like a consensual homosexual love affair. Otherwise, I'd have brought a larger dildo and I'll shove it up your backside dry. But we have to keep up appearances. Chuck grabbed the prostrate man who was unsuccessfully trying to crawl away. He heaved him up and lay his torso on the rock wall. To heighten the tension, Charles asked. June, are you really going to shove that billy club up his ass? Yes, I am, June answered. She pressed the dildo against her victim's anus and twisted it. Governor, you hurt my daughter. You hurt Charles's daughter. How many other women have you hurt? He made unintelligible noises and tried to move his ass away from the dildo. You deserve to be punished, she said. He said something, but it was too garbled to be understood. She ignored his grunts. She pressed forcefully and drove the purple dick up his ass. He screamed and flailed as he was skewered. June was relentless. She drove the silicone and cum-covered dildo in and out of his butt repeatedly, forcefully, without a hint of mercy or remorse. She did so until she was too winded to continue. She left the object in him and staggered away. She stepped over Franklin, who lay on the floor, and she went and sat on one of the porch chairs. Charles pulled the dildo out of Monroe and tossed it aside. Then, he grabbed the governor and threw him to the stone floor. He landed hard and groaned loudly. June rested a minute. Then she stood and said, I personally feel better having sexually abused you, but it is not enough punishment for years of abuse of countless women. Now you die. She helped Charles get the men. They stood them up on their shaky legs and brought them over to the wall. They pressed them together, the doctors front to the governor's back, and they pushed. The men tumbled over the short wall and fell a thousand meters. They crashed into and bounced off of numerous rocks, boulders, ledges, and outcrops as they hurtled down the mountain. June cheered their journey and certain death. Then she turned to Charles and said, That was awesome. I feel so many things. Mainly powerful and victorious. She ran to him and kissed him hard on the lips. Then she said, Get undressed. You have to fuck me. I'm high on adrenaline. She sat on the rock wall and took off her boots. She stood and took off her pants. She laughed and said, Look, my panties are soaked. Get a move on. Charles was undressing. He smiled at the nearly naked buxom women and said, I've heard that power is the ultimate aphrodisiac. I thought I was horny because you were topless, but getting our revenge, exercising power over those scumbags has me hot to trot too. He stripped off his clothes and his boner bounced into view. They came together, kissed, and groped each other. He was hard. She was wet. They skipped the preliminaries. She pushed him down on a chair, straddled him and impaled herself on his cock. Oh, she moaned. Ah, was his rejoinder. Her head fell against his shoulder as his dick sunk all the way into her sopping pussy. She grunted. Mmm, I needed that. Your pussy is so wet and so hot. I know, she answered and then giggled like a schoolgirl. She savored his hardness and her sense of fullness a moment longer. Then she rose up and used him. She rode him hard. She fucked him to satisfy her need. They rutted like animals.
0: It was a short, ferocious coupling. And successful. Oh, yes. Oh, give it to me. Oh. Oh. Oh.
1: She cried out as she climaxed. Charles had difficulty holding on to her. Her body was hot and sweaty. Her rapid movements didn't make the task easier. Then, there was the matter of holding back as this wild woman fucked him vigorously. He was never happier to hear her orgasmic cry. It gave him permission to let his seed fly. Oh, h h h h He screamed as his orgasm took him. They were lost to the beautiful sensations. Neither had the presence of mind to ponder the incongruent thought that the torture and killing of the two men had made them feel so alive. June took a deep breath and released it slowly. She raised her head, looked her lover and partner in crime in the eye, and said, Thank you. I need this. All of this. She kissed him passionately. He understood she was talking about more than the fuck. She got off him. They cleaned up and dressed. They gathered everything they had brought and removed any sign or evidence that they'd been there. They drove back to her house. As they were parked in her driveway, he fiddled with his wristbands and then said, Give me your band. I'm turning off the cloaking feature. She extended her arm. He made the adjustment. She got out of the car and entered the garage. Charles drove home. June changed back into her party clothes and she entered the house. Gunther was up late watching a movie. He called out, Hey! Did you have a good time? Amazing! she answered as she walked to her bedroom. Xander was there reading. He looked up and asked, How was your evening? Good. Charles and I had fun. You want me clean or dirty? My pussy and panties are full of cum. Go take a shower. She dropped her knapsack, went into the master bathroom and undressed. Her husband followed her in. He watched her take off her clothes as she had done a thousand times before. He said, I love watching you undress. You're so beautiful. Tonight you are especially gorgeous. You're glowing. I think I'll join you in the shower. He took off his pajamas. His member was already thick and hard. She giggled and said, I love that after all these years, I still have an effect on you. So are you going to fuck my pussy or my ass? Both two colon twenty p and the next day, Detective Hughes knocked on the doorframe of the office of the Chief of Police since the door was open. The man in charge looked up from his paperwork. The younger man said, "Chief, the coroner has ruled the two deaths were accidental. poor bastards, That was a hell of a fall. The pictures of their mangled bodies were disturbing. Can you imagine the pain they must have felt as they tumbled down the cliff, colliding and bouncing off all those rocks? I hate to think about it, sir." The pain must have been intense. It is a gruesome way to die, the lead detective on the case said. What the hell happened? Our theory is that the governor and Dr. Monson went to the hunting lodge last night to have a homosexual rendezvous. They drank, had sex, and fell. The coroner estimates that the time of death was between 10 p.m. last night and 6 a.m. this morning. They had switched their wristbands into cloak mode last night around 9 o'clock. The wristbands came online at six this morning and that's when we discovered that they were dead and in a ravine at the base of the hunting lodge. The terrain there is very rough and remote, but we managed to retrieve the bodies and do an autopsy. The detective glanced at his notes and said, The coroner found alcohol in their blood. The men were naked and had silicone-based lubricant and sperm in their anuses. The cause of death was the fall. We don't have any signs of foul play or evidence that others were at the cabin. Uh Uh-huh. The grizzled old chief of police grunted. I'm surprised to hear that Monson was a homosexual. I've played poker with him. The stories he tell about his sexual exploits with the ladies made me blush. I thought he was a class A poonhound. I'm not surprised about Monroe. His wife is so fat, an ugly no self-respecting man would hit that. And that weird, high-pitched voice of his. He sounded like a prepubescent boy whose testicles never dropped. As an aside, the chief asked, so it was just the two of them at the lodge. Yes, sir. Everyone is accounted for. Our tracking system shows no one else was in the vicinity of the cabin last night. We have no data showing that anyone else was in that area at all yesterday. Write up your report and close the case. Yes, sir. Same time, different building. While Detective Hughes was meeting with the police chief, June escorted her daughter to a room in the basement of the medical clinic in which she worked. She stopped outside the door and said, This is the morgue. The bodies are inside. Are you sure you want to do this? Yes. Honey, you understand that the damage to the bodies is extensive. It'll be a gruesome, horrific sight. I want to see them. I want to know that they've paid a price for what they've done to you and me and the other women. Okay, June said. She used her employee's key to unlock the door. She pulled it open and ushered her daughter inside. In the cool room, there were sinks. Big lighting fixtures, stainless steel tables, and a wall refrigerator with six compartments. June walked to the refrigerator and pulled open a drawer. She slid out a body covered with a sheet. She did the same to a second compartment. She looked toward her daughter. Betsy nodded. June pulled one and then the other covering off. The white fabric fluttered to the floor. Before them were the bloody, battered remains of Governor Monroe and Dr. Monson. The men were naked and obviously dead. The corpses were covered with cuts, bruises, and severe abrasions. Even to the uneducated eye, one glance told you that they have suffered multiple broken bones. Their dicks were small, sad, shriveled tubes of flesh. Their faces had been pulverized by rocks and were unrecognizable. June was shocked at the condition of the remains. Betsy stared at them with heart-unforgiving, unsympathetic eyes for a full minute. Then, she said, Let's go home. The next day, funerals were held for the two men. Most colonists dressed in black and attend the joint burial. The official cause of death was listed as accidental. The explanation was they had been drinking and had fallen, but tongues wagged and rumors spread throughout the colony. At dinner that night. Penny snickered and said, Dad, I have a friend who works for the police, and he said there was evidence that the governor and Dr. Monson had engaged in anal sex. Please, Penny. Charles chastised his daughter. That's hardly something to talk about at dinner. Let's not besmirch the reputations of two men who served the colony well for years. Across town, the youngs gathered for their evening meal. Gunther shoveled in a large forkful of food. He barely chewed and swallowed before he said, Word on the street is Monroe and Monson each had a butt full of semen. The stupid fudge packers got carried away and fell off the mountain. Please, language, June said. She looked her son in the eye and said, You're better than that. Let's not spread gossip or speak ill of the dead a week later. Hi, Hunter, so glad you could make it, June said with a broad smile as she stepped away from Penelope. Penelope smiled, waved, and said, Hi, Hunter. Penny looked him up and down like he was an ice cream cone she'd love to devour. Hunter looked her over. Penny was slim, fit, and short like her mother, Maggie, had been. She was also nude. Hunter saw her cleft sex and cute, little boobs. Her nipples were erect. She had puffy, Pinkerillas that protrude out almost as much as her petite breasts, Hunter said. Hello, Penelope. Then he focused on June as she stepped up to him. She was on her back patio greeting her guests as they came to her afternoon party. She was wearing a sheer, white lace bathing suit cover. Her breasts and bush were easily visible since the only other things she had on were flip-flops. Behind her and around her were neighbors and friends. Some nude. Others dressed casually. Hunter was shirtless and wearing swimming trunks. He said, Thank you for inviting me. Can't say I've ever attended an organized skinny dipping party before. He gave her a smile and then his eyes drifted down to her breasts. He stared at her nipples which were as hard as pebbles. When he looked up, he found her looking at his face. He blushed and said, Busted! Sorry, I was ogling you. She laughed and playfully slapped his arm. Why do you think I'd mind if you looked at my boobs? I'm wearing a sheer top and no bra and I'm hosting a naked swimming party. She surprised him with a big hug. She said, Hunter, I am forever in your debt for taking care of my daughter. You are a special guy. She surprised him further by kissing him on the lips. We youngs pay our debts. We should have had you over sooner. I apologize. Things came up and then there were the funerals. I did what anyone would have done. He said modestly. June cut to the quick. She said, Any man would have fucked Betsy. He recoiled. A shocked look appeared on his face. June laughed and said, I see my language has stunned you. I said I owed you. I'll speak the truth. Any man would have had sex with Betsy. She young, attractive, and her wristband would have forced her. You looked after her. You calmed her fears, were kind to her, and gentle when you took her. I guess I shouldn't be surprised. What do you mean? You've always liked her, haven't you? I remember you from school. You were awkward, quiet, and shy. You also had an uncontrollable colic. A tuft of hair on the back of your head was always standing up. He self-consciously reached up to check if his damn colic was under control. June smiled and was pleasant as she continued. I remember thinking you had a crush on her. Betsy was oblivious. She was too busy with school and her activities to be serious with you or any boy. She stepped into his personal space. They were practically nose to nose. June whispered in a husky voice. You've grown into an attractive man. She grabbed his package and gently squeezed his dick and balls. I owe you. We can go upstairs right now and I'll let you have me. In any hole or all of them if you want. He blushed and backed away. No, thanks. He said it so quickly he worried that he'd insulted her by refusing her offer. He added. Not that you aren't attractive. Any man would want to sleep with you. I'm not a player. I think sex should be a loving act. With the forced propagation parties, we have enough sex without feelings. Good answer, June said. She let go of his dick doubt he was shaking and asked. Was this a test? You were kidding, right? Yes, it was a test and no, I wasn't teasing. I would have taken you upstairs and fucked the shit out of you. I'm glad you didn't take me up on my offer. I didn't think you were that kind of guy, but a mother has to check. She smiled and said. Here is me repaying my debt. Betsy really likes you. She's looking forward to seeing you again. Don't be quiet and shy today. Tell her how you feel. Continue to be the good, kind man that you are and I wouldn't be surprised if soon you became my son-in-law. Again, a look of surprise showed on his face. This time it wasn't horrific. It was soon followed by a broad smile. Go find her. I'm not sure where she is, June said. She looked around. The party runs from our house down to the skinny dipping pond. She's been helping me by putting the food out. There are tables with food and drinks scattered about. Thank you, he said. He turned to go find Betsy.at about the same time. Charles entered the house a minute after Hunter. The young's front door was open. A sign directed everyone to cut through the house to the party in the backyard. As he was making his way through the family room, Betsy, who was coming from the kitchen, saw him and called out. Charles. He stopped and looked her way. He saw a young, beautiful, brown-haired woman smiling at him. She had on a skin-tight, thon-bikini-bottom and was holding a large platter of cookies. She set the plate down, and he was treated to an unobstructed view of her extraordinary, large, firm breasts that he was awestruck. He stared at them and thought, Those are magnificent! That delayed his salutation. He stuttered when he did respond.
0: Air. Ah.
1: Hi, Betsy. She hurried to him. Looped an arm in his, and dragged him toward the pantry. "'She said, "'I want a word with you in private.' "'She flipped on the light, closed the door behind them, and said, "'Mom told me how wonderful you were "'and that she couldn't have gotten our revenge without you.' "'She hugged him and drove her pillowy breasts into his chest. "'She said, "'Thank you. "'You don't know what a relief it is "'knowing I'll never have to see them again after what they did to me. "'I've thought about how I could properly thank you, "'and this is what I've decided.' She slid down his body and knelt at his feet. He looked at her confused. All became clear when she reached up, loosened the drawstring on his bathing suit, and pulled it down to expose his dick dot, he said. Betsy, you don't have to do this. I did it for my daughter and the other women. She grabbed his cock and stroked it slowly. She giggled and said, I don't know how Penelope is going to thank you, but I'm going to suck your dick. She wrapped her lips around his penis and massaged it with her tongue. Betsy, it was your mother's idea. Her plan. She pulled off him, chuckled, and said, I know. If she had a penis, I'd suck hers too. She looked up at him with big blue eyes. He saw her great tits in the background. Still, he resisted and said, It's not necessary. She gave him head and then stopped and said, If a guy did you a favor, you'd say thanks. If it was a big favor, you'd give him a hearty handshake and buy him a drink. You did me an immense favor. Words, a hug, and a kiss on the cheek can't express how grateful I am. Let me do this. He looked into her eyes and saw she was serious. He nodded. Betsy gave him an inspired blowjob. Minutes later, he found himself on the brink. He was sweating and his breathing was ragged. He said, I'm close. Can I finish on your boobs? "Uh Uh-huh, she grunted. She pulled off and raised up and brought her breasts even with his dick. Charles spanked his cock and grunted. Ugh! Oh! His dick exploded, and ropes of cum landed on the young woman's fine pair. She tittered as his jism coated her boobs. Exhausted, he staggered back against shelves of canned goods and boxes of dried food. Betsy stayed on her knees and let him admire his handiwork. He recovered and said, "I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. You're young. I took advantage of you." She stood, swiped a finger across her boob, scooped up his cum, and quickly put it in her mouth. Then she said, I'm young but old enough to know my own mind. This was my idea, not yours. No one forced me or talked me into it. I owed you. Big time. I thanked you big time. Yes, you did. Go have fun at the party, she said. She laughed and said, I need to clean up. For an old man, you spray a lot of spunk. Betsy opened the door and glanced around. She didn't see anyone and hurried toward the downstairs powder room. She didn't make it unnoticed. Alice, Hunter's prom date, turned the corner and saw her. Hi, Betsy, Alice said. She looked at her cum-covered chest and added, Looks like you're having fun. Ah, 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 Betsy babbled. She was so busted. She stood as motionless as a deer caught in a headlight. Then she bolted into the bathroom. Alice giggled and said, I wonder whose spunk she is wearing. She went to the pantry, peeked in and saw Charles adjust his clothing. She gave him a smile, a knowing look, and went outside to meet her friends. After Betsy cleaned herself off, she grabbed her tray of cookies and went outside. Her mother approached her and said, Hunter is here. He's looking for you. Betsy smiled and looked around. June said, He's a good man. Handsome too. He loves you. Did he say that? Not exactly in words, but in his actions. Go find him. Betsy giggled gave the cookies to her mom, and went off in search of Hunter. She found him. Hi, Hunter, she said, smiling. Hi, Betsy. He stared into her blue eyes. There was an awkward silence. Then, Betsy said, Care for a swim? Sure. They walked down to the pond. Many people were in the water. Others stood or lounged beside it. Most were nude. Betsy grabbed two towels off a table and led Hunter to an open spot off to the side under a leafy tree. She dropped the towels on the ground and then, shimmed out of her bikini bottoms. She smiled and proudly displayed her naked body. She turned her back to him, on purpose, to show off her fine bum. She extended the show by taking the time to fold her thong and then, she bent over at the hips and placed it on her towel. She stayed bent over to make sure he got a good look at her firm bottom and furry sex. Hunter stood, stared, and got an erection. She turned about and asked sweetly, Aren't you ready yet? He stripped off his clothes. He blushed when his hard cock pointed at her. She gave it a quick look, smiled, and held out her hand. He grabbed it, and the teens ran into the water. They frolicked and splashed. They laughed and giggled. They played with the other nude, skinny dippers. Everyone had a good time that forty-five minutes later, Betsy said. I'm exhausted. Can we sit? Sure, Hunter said. They went to their towels and used them to dry off. Hunter spread his towel on the ground. They sat and shared it. Betsy smiled at him and said, That was fun. Before Hunter could respond, Sage walked up to them and said, Hey. Hello. Betsy and Hunter responded. Sage said, Betsy, I enjoyed being with you at the clinic. Want to go out sometime? No, she said forcefully. Oh, okay. Sage walked away. When he was gone, Betsy said. The nerve of him. I can't believe he did that. He wasn't very nice to me at the clinic. It was pretty much wham. Bam. Thank you, ma'am. And now he asks me out? You're beautiful and a great person, Hunter said. I imagine you get asked out often. Not really, she answered. She couldn't let her anger at Sage go. She said, what was he thinking? You and I are together having a nice time, and he thinks that because he's had his dick in me, we have a connection. She shook her head. Hunter said nothing. He waited for her to get over Sage's visit. They sat and looked at the pond and all the naked people splashing and having fun. Then Hunter turned to her. He looked deep into her eyes and said, Betsy. She looked up at him expecting him to complete his sentence. When he didn't, she said, What? Betsy, I really like you. What happened at Rainbow Falls is not a reason to have a relationship, but I'm glad I was there to help. I've liked you for years but never told you. I was too shy. I'm not that shy kid I was in high school. I like you. I hope that you like me. I'd like to date you. Betsy smiled. Actually, she beamed and said, In school, I was too young to recognize your qualities. You were always good to me and you were especially good to me at the Falls. Yes, I'd like to date you. They both smiled. They both leaned forward to kiss. The moment was disrupted as a group came up to them. It was Penelope, Alice, Mildred, Lillian, and Dillian. Lillian was blushing, smiling, and stroking Dylan's erect cock. Penny giggled and said, Betsy, have you ever seen a dick this big? Alice said, I bet he could give us all a pearl necklace. Bigger and better than the one Charles gave Betsy today. We're going to try and suck his dick, Mildred said. Betsy, do you want to join us? It should be quite the adventure. Betsy's face turned red. She said, No, thanks. You go have your fun. I'd like to be with Hunter. Her friends smiled and went off to a more secluded area to play with Dylan's big dick. Betsy turned to Hunter. She stuttered nervously. Ah. Ah. Let me explain. Hunter looked crushed like a boy who had lost his puppy. He said. You don't have to. I want to. Yes. It happened. I owed him big time. He. He did me a great favor. If someone helps you, sometimes saying thanks isn't enough. Sometimes you hug them or buy them a present. This favor was huge. None of those things was enough. I gave him a blowjob and let him come on my boobs. As she spoke, she was wringing her hands. Now she bit her lower lip and added speaking quickly. It was a one-time thing. I don't love him. It wasn't about sex. It was about profound gratitude. I believe you. Relief rushed over her. She jumped into him. She embraced him and took him to the ground. She climbed on top of him and said, Good. I'd hate to mess this up. She kissed him passionately. They made out on the towel. He got hard. She got wet. She whispered, I think I love you. He rolled on top of her, looked her in the eye and said, I know I love you. Oh, you don't know how happy that makes me. She snaked a hand between their bodies. She grabbed his cock and placed the tip at her opening. He felt her warm wetness. She said, No one has made love to me like you did. I love you. Make love to me again. Now. He pressed forward and his dick slipped inside her. Oh. Yes. Betsy cried out. Oh. So wonderful. He exclaimed. He stared into her beautiful blue eyes as he sunk his dick into her. After he bottomed out in her tight hole, he asked. Will you marry me? Yes. They fucked like happy rabbits. Others saw them. Some were shocked. Some smiled. Others pointed and laughed. They were oblivious. They were in their own world. A perfect world. Like Planet Z-253, it was a wonderful, special place. Nine months later, Betsy gave birth to a beautiful, healthy baby boy. Option number one hunter is the father. June said, Dr. Shepard, I'm glad they put you in charge of the propagation program. We are getting much better results since you tweaked the program. Doris said, It only makes sense that the men who had proven themselves capable of fathering a child should be put in the rotation more frequently than those who have not. Yes. It is obvious that Governor Monroe was more interested in having sex with as many women as possible than growing our population. She laughed and added, I don't know how my daughter puts up with it. Due to your change, her husband, Hunter, has had sex with nearly every woman in the colony. Yes, Doris said and laughed. And he's gotten a nice percentage of them pregnant. He's our best stud. Honey, I'm home. Hunter hollered as he entered his house. We're in here. Betsy sang out. Hunter entered the family room and found his wife topless. She was in a rocking chair breastfeeding their son. What a beautiful sight, he said. Betsy laughed and asked. This idyllic scene of family life or my boobs? Both. They shared a laugh. So who did you fuck today? Lillian. Oh, that's right. You told me. You're with so many women I can't keep track. She's scrawny. She has no tits or ass. Was she any good? Not really. She's bony and didn't get very wet even though I went down on her. I had to use lube just to get inside her. Betsy shifted the child from one breast to the other and then said, Bummer. For you and her. Dry sex is no fun. Yes. Did she come? Yes. She rode me and at the end, she leaned down, and we kissed. She started squirming and moaning and begged me to shove a finger up her ass. I did. That got her off. What a dirty girl. And of course, you filled her with your cream, Betsy said with a laugh. She burped the baby and put him in a bassinet. She turned toward her husband and said, Let's go to our bedroom. Having my nipples sucked always get me excited. I want you to do to me what you did to Lillian. Option number two, Dr. Franklin Monson is the father. Hunter knocked on Betsy's door. He was holding her 12-year-old son by the scruff of the neck. She answered the door. Her hair was in rollers and she was wearing a faded, flowery housecoat even though it was mid-afternoon. When she the police uniform, she barked. What's he done now? He was riding his bike in the terrace gardens again, destroying crops. Betsy, I'm bringing him home to you as a favor. I know being a single mom is hard but if you can't keep him in check, he'll be locked up next time. The kid smirked and said, I was only trying to have some fun. Smack! Betsy reached out and slapped the punk. She said, Some days, I wish you were never born. You are a big pain in my ass. As much a pain as your father was when he shoved his prick up my but the day you were conceived. Ah, mom. Not again. The son complained. No wonder I'm a delinquent. You are always telling me how my dad but fucked you. Option number three Governor Monroe is the father. The thin, short, young man stood alone on stage and sang. Beautifully. At the end of the song, the crowd cheered and clapped loudly for the countertenor's excellent performance. Penelope turned to Betsy and said, You must be so proud. Your son is an excellent singer. And those high notes he hits. Yes. Not many men sing in that range. He has a tear in each note and a sigh in each breath. Penelope gushed. He sings like an angel. The voice he gets from his father. The angelic qualities. Definitely not. Betsy said with conviction. The End. Is there more to this story? If you think so, tell me where you think it should go. Tell me who should the father be. The End. This podcast is part of the Erotica Podcast Network. Visit the other channels for more stories with a different focus. Support us on
0: Patreon to make requests for subjects you would love to hear. Thank you to those who have already reached out.